Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, yesterday, if anything went wrong, we had uh, something happen with the Blog Talk website and I was unable to do the show. Today, I'm here. <laughs> Today, I'm all set and ready. So this is going to be uh, uh, fun. We're just waiting for our guest of honor, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, to call in. And so uh, as soon as he gets here, I'm going to go right to him. And so I just text him the number again. I've got, uh, you know, I've got messages flying back and forth. Uh, okay, okay, all right, so there we go. So just checking on stuff. Yep, my secret agent says everything's all set. Um, Diane Warner, who does our, our um, election integrity, medical freedom, whatever we want report, is on the line right now, too. So, Diane, we're just waiting for our guest of honor. How you doing? Yeah, good. Oh, I, okay, did a surprise you bring you. <laughs> Say that again? Right. I'm glad the blog talk is working this morning. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, we do have occasional glitches. I've, I've had to call in the phone, you know, call into my own show and things like that. But generally when uh, uh, we have a, a guest like Dr. Peter McCullough, you know, it's, uh, it usually goes well. Like I said, I'm just waiting for him to call. And uh, so anytime now, a lot of times shows have news breaks and commercials in the beginning, but uh, I just want to make sure that he doesn't think we're calling him. So just these little administrative things that make uh, talk radio so much fun. So again, as soon as he joins us, he is all central set time, right? Uh, well, we did tell him. Yeah, I mean, he knows. <laughs> yeah, if it's uh, if it's um, Eastern, that would have been an hour ago. <laughs> that wasn't on the air then. Yeah. And, and so no, we, exactly. We, we've, yep. Now he was nope. in Texas, right? I'm not sure where he is. That's a good question. He's you know, and, well, and he who started knows? in Texas. He was at Baylor. Oh, that's interesting. Well, if you have some background, let me know. I mean, we can kind of do that while we're waiting. Yeah, I um, I've been following him since the very beginning. Since he started making waves about everything. And I'm like, this guy's telling the truth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's interesting how a lot of us kind of came together um, now, yeah, but we all started in different places. I started doing this on the radio, you know, way back uh, February of 2020. I'm like, yeah, this is wrong. <laughs> why would you, why would you have a vaccine for a, a virus that's already here when they take at least 10 years, you know, to get right, probably closer to 15. I said, this makes no sense. And that's when I started, uh, you know, noticing this hard little man who I've become, uh, who I, you know, started calling Dr. Fascist, you know, a long time ago. And so, yeah. And so then Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough and then Judy Mikovits and, and the first person that I noticed was actually Dr. Didi Rell in Marseille, France. And so that's what really kind of got me started. So wait a minute, we got a cure. We got this thing called, you know, I called it chloroquine in those days. And it's chloroquine. And then I learned about hydroxychloroquine. And then I learned about Dr. Zelenko. And then a friend of mine introduced me to Dr. Zelenko. And of course, you know, the rest is history. He came on the show. We wrote a bill together. And I've been, uh, you know, I've been crusading against this ever since February. Actually, what, what started us, we had, um, um, you know, my friend, Dr. Peter Pry uh, brought us, uh, yep, there he is. Okay, good. We're all set to go. Uh, so Dr. Pry brought us uh, Will Gertz, uh, Bill Gertz, who told us about the Wuhan lab, February 25th. Well, let me get right to our guest of the day here. So I'm scrolling madly through my stuff. And let me see if I can find it. Ah, here we go. I want to introduce our guest of the day, Dr. Peter McCullough. 
So this is one of the rare privileges that we get to have somebody uh, like Peter McCullough on the show, and it's going to be fascinating to see how this goes. But just to give you a little background uh, from his website, he brings truth to the world and fights battles against censorship and reprisal. He is an internist, cardiologist, epidemiologist, and the chief scientific officer of the wellness company. Dr. McCullough is one of the most published cardiologists ever in America with over 1,000 publications and 660 citations in the National Library of Medicine. So let's make his line live and, uh, and welcome to the show. Dr. McCullough, welcome to Action Radio. Well, thanks for having me. I never had a ticker tape uh, parade before coming on the oh, show, gets, but that was great. Well, it gets better. We've got to cheer you. That's for everything that's you fantastic. do. It's just, yeah, yeah. The, the crowd is electric. Thank you so much. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. This is going to be different. Uh, we are, I, I like to say, the most unique show in the world in that we have a citizen legislature uh, as well as a radio show. And the two combine in a unique combination that is, I think, you know, once we get more exposure, uh, it's going to be able to do amazing things. But I want to, we know your background. The audience knows the problems. I started off, you know, like I just said with Bill Gertz, February 25th, February 27th of 2020, I wrote a resolution for Congress that they could only spend half their money uh, on vaccines. The other had to be spent on early treatments. So I was right there in the beginning, right with you. And I didn't even know you yet and all the other folks. And I, I got to meet Dr. Zelenko. Uh, he was on the show. We wrote a bill together to reform the FDA. And I've got two big bills I want to talk to you about in a little bit, one on vaccine product liability and the other one ending big tech censorship. But uh, first things first, is there anything new, anything that's happened in the last little bit that you want to report or talk about uh, new campaigns, new, new things, new avenues of, of resisting the, uh, you know, the, the medical tyranny that's going on right now? You know, I think one of the single biggest revelations that we've had have come through these release of the Twitter files. Hmm. Uh, I was, uh, had one of the top doctor Twitter accounts uh, for a long time, and mainly doctors follow me, and I produced the scientific uh, abstracts and important analyses. I was suspended from Twitter for about two months uh, hmm. in late 2022 and then restored when Elon Musk purchased the company. Um, but then when it was released that the FBI agents were in Twitter, and the mm-hmm. CDC was Twitter, and what was going on is they were suppressing any hope of treatment to the world's population. They, they really were suppressing any advancements that people could find out about. And you know, our publication cycles take about two to four years to publish a paper, so we oh. needed something rapid. And so Twitter was really uh, an important tool that and the preprint service system. But uh, to find that there was active suppression of treatment in order to promote the vaccines. And then in promotion of the vaccines, it was active suppression of life-saving safety information. So, you know, know, as doctors started to watch patients sustain heart damage, blood clots, neurologic damage, it came out in the literature, the FDA agreed that these complications occurred. People were scrambling to find out information, where they at risk, what they should do. This was all being actively directed by the intelligence community the CDC and assist, and that's what's going on. It's probably still going on within YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, the understanding that this was a U.S. government national security operation upon mm-hmm. its own people causing great harm, I think, is the most uh, disturbing revelation. That 
Yeah, that's incredible. And I'm looking at this and as one who has been suppressed along with everybody else. I mean, my uh, my listenership and views on Facebook and, and have just been plummeted ever since it came out March 2nd of 2020, saying that uh, the virus is real, but the but the response is a total hoax. And that's when I started calling uh, Fauci Dr. Fascist, you know, his full title being the, the genocidal, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher. And so, you know, it, it, it never made sense to me that, and I used to say this too, all roads lead to vaccines. Of all the things to do with a virus that's already here, knowing the vaccines, and I'm not a doctor, but just knowing the vaccines take 10 to 15 years before they're even considered safe, why would Congress and why would the government go along with this, this one path only, this one approach in vaccines and make everything else you know, below it or not even, not even considered? Uh, it, this seems to be exactly what you're talking about, the operation, you know, the, the, the intelligence community and everything else. But how do we get to this point where one person and, the, and big government health could direct, the, you know, the entire medical world, you know, in the United States away from early treatments? How did that happen? You know, I published a book with John Leake early, uh, earlier uh, in 2022 called Courage to Face COVID-19. Preventing right. hospitalizations and deaths while battling the biopharmaceutical complex. And we define this complex. It is a fusion of worldwide government agencies, NGOs, and, and then there are suppliers. But this complex is positioned at the top. We believe the World Economic Forum, they're actually meeting in Davos as we speak, the right. World Health Organization, Welcome Trust, the Rockefeller Foundation, Gates Foundation, SEPI which Gates Foundation and WF found the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness and Innovation, mm-hmm. the TGA, the MHRA, FDA, CDC, NIH, those like the intelligence community, they are all aligned on a singular activity, and that is worldwide mass vaccination for one pandemic after another. Now, that's what yeah. I said. Listen, this is just going to be the, the, the goal here. It's aspirational. The aspirational is, is to get a needle in every arm uh, as a doctor, you know, I was fielding these patients like so many others and innovating, publishing, finding ways to treat patients. And at any given time, there was a small fraction of people who actually had the disease. So mm-hmm. if we would have focused on the illness and not focused on well people, remember everything the government suggested was focusing on well people, hand sanitizers, masks, vaccines. Well, well people are well. They're not of a public health concern. <laughs> the greatest concern are the sick people who could be hospitalized and dying. Those are the two important outcomes. So when I hit the uh, Texas Senate in, uh, I hit the U.S. Senate actually in November of 2020, and then the mm-hmm. Texas Senate in 2021, and ultimately went on Tucker Carlson and broke all the records for Joe Rogan and what have you. You know, that was the theme is where is the focus on the people sick right now and get this focus off people who are well who need to go about their lives. This is fascinating. In fact, I'm, I'm hoping to uh, get you to introduce me to both Tucker and Joe Rogan because their audiences are, are huge, as are yours. And uh, if we get these folks sending in the bill links to vaccine product liability and ending big tech censorship, uh, the citizen legislature, you know, takes on a whole new meaning and it's a way to combat big pharma. And everybody's always asking the question, you know, what can I do? You know, how, how can we take our country back? Well, it's easy. <laughs> we figured that out here at Action Radio. Uh, but I was watching your video. And we were watching it last night, and I've watched both Senate hearings with Senator Johnson. And you came out with uh, four pillars of pandemic response, and it's all geared around early treatment. And it seems to me, and I wrote this down from something that uh, I, I thought of before, that they, they, they made the legal illegal so that they can make the illegal legal. They made the legal, the approved 
uh, drugs, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, you know, the Zelenko protocol, vitamin D3, vitamin C. We've been over this for years with, with my audience. Those were demonized and made illegal and said that you couldn't have an emergency use authorization for that so that they could take their vaccines, which were gene jabs, you know, the, the mRNA uh, and everything that goes into that, and made them legal. So they actually reversed the law in order to do this. That took some power to be able to do that. And as a doctor, well, you're, you're sitting there watching this going, why? What's, what's going on here? From the very beginning, it was a national security operation. It wasn't a public health operation. So we're, the oh, Department okay. of Defense, the DOD and HHS ran this. You know, when the vaccines were rolled out, it was DOD, HHS. EUA is a military mechanism. It previously, it had only been used for the military, for anthrax and smallpox, mm-hmm. things like this. So EUA is not a public health mechanism. So okay. this military mechanism was then uh, used to uh, bring forward the products. And under the EUA, it's unclear if they even need to be FDA approved. The FDA actions look like they're window dressing. They haven't really seriously addressed the safety. Mm-hmm. They haven't seriously addressed the efficacy. There's been no analyses. And it looks like the, what the FDA is going to say in the end is, hey, listen, EUA is a military thing. It's a national security thing. We had to step back. That's what they're going to say. Uh, what we know is uh, that the existing products, a generic uh, available product, can be used for anything the doctor wants to. The community standard of care is what doctors decide, not agencies or medical boards. Uh, these entities have never determined the community standard of care, which is widely varied from region to region. But the doctors like myself, Zelenko, Didier Rialt, others, Tyson and Fareed, all the doctors who step forward and treat patients, we establish the community standard of care. So when I hit the Senate floor, I said, listen, uh, this pandemic response, and I'm a doctor in a position of medical authority before COVID-19, I told the country, listen, we need four pillars. We need four work groups. One mm-hmm. is on, early, is on uh, reducing the spread of the illness. Right. And that, what turned out to be the most important thing to reduce the spread of the illness was virucidal nasal washes and sprays. And dilute povidone iodine, dilute hydrogen peroxide. You know, the virus goes right through the mask and around the mask. We actually had to treat the right. virus in the nose in people who are in, had incipient infections to knock it down. It's sort of supported by 12 clinical studies. We use it as part of all of our uh, protocols now. It, it, it reduces the PCR positivity from about two weeks to about two to three days. It was the only way to do it. Nancy Mace, uh, Congresswoman, went nuts when this came out and said, why isn't our government featuring this very simple approach which was taken up in a lot of places around the world. It was pioneered, actually, in Bangladesh. Um, so that was pillar number one. Should have been virucidal nasal sprays and washes. Actually, actively suppressed by the FDA and FTC. They didn't let any of the companies do research on it or advance those. Pillar number two was early treatment, multi-drug mm-hmm. protocols within the first three days. The only way to prevent a hospitalization is to do something before the hospital. There was just such a simple set of logic. Our government refused to make that a national priority, and, and that's where, uh, that's where the, the lives were lost. Uh, pillar number three is uh, hospital treatment. There's still not enough discussion about this. Do you know that Mayo Clinic, Harvard, Duke, none of our marquee institutions ever advanced their inpatient protocols, none of them. None of them had any uh, uh, innovations. There's no comparative mortality statistics, no comparative ventilator statistics. None. No, none of these institutions even claim to be centers of excellence for this very important illness. We've had three years of this, and our marquee medical centers absolutely fell flat on this. And I think historians are going to record this. What in the world was going on in the halls of these uh, incredible institutions where they 
couldn't take care of COVID patients and advance the care. It was atrocious. And then pillar number four was vaccination. I don't think anybody was against a vaccine, but looking backwards, because it's a nasopharyngeal infection, mm-hmm. it looks like the only vaccine type that ever would have been useful would have been a nasal mist vaccine. And uh, it should have been uh, antigen-based, uh, uh, you know, where it could never install genetic code in the human body and should have only been attempted in high-risk people. We're looking at nursing home patients, uh, seniors at high risk. So early on, I was sketching this out. I was thinking maybe 2.7 million Americans would be exposed to a vaccine. Nobody was against them. I personally, I've taken all the vaccines in the schedule. I'm not anti-vaccine, but I didn't take the COVID vaccine. It's the genetic code for the lethal protein, you know, engineered in a lab in Wuhan, China, produced in the body for an un- in an uncontrolled manner. There was no way I was going to take the COVID vaccine. I was stunned how many doctors took it. It was a, it was a very dangerous proposition from the very beginning. See, that's the shocking part, is that how many doctors went along with this? Is, is it, uh, it seemed to me like, like we went to a national health care model, or now actually an international health care, and, and you're way ahead of me on, on the bioweapon and the national security, so I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that. But the idea that the doctors all fell in line and the hospitals fell in line and all the pharmacists and all the drugstores, and they're all giving you know, these, these COVID gene jabs to people, and, and nobody was testing immunity first. No one thought, you know, this is another thing that always stunned me. It's like, before you give, you know, a, a, a jab, wouldn't you at least test to see if the people are already immune to it? So this is a fix from the start. Sir, well, the clinical definition was good enough. Remember in the clinical trials, the registrational clinical trials, if a, somebody had a prior history of COVID, they, they knew they had it, they had a well-documented case. By the way, 94% of Americans now have had COVID. Um, that, uh, uh, you know, a well-documented case of COVID excluded someone from ever getting the vaccine. And then if you right. had positive antibodies, even if you had a subclinical infection, they were excluded. Pregnant women were excluded. Women in childbearing uh, potential. So even the original exclusion criterion for trials immediately were disregarded. I was stunned in the first week of the vaccine program when pregnant women started to take the vaccine, when people who already had the illness. We never do that. I mean, if a child had chickenpox, we wouldn't turn around and give a chickenpox vaccine. We would never do that. If a child had mumps, we wouldn't turn yeah. around and give the mumps vaccine. You know, when I saw these things happen early in December 2020, I said, wait a minute, we are violating every tenant of good clinical practice, just violating them. And, you know, the very first person who injected a pregnant woman and the very first pregnant woman who took the vaccine had to know that they were embarking on an odyssey, an odyssey where there is no, no assurances that this could possibly be safe or effective. And it simply was, uh, it was an aspiration to get a needle in every arm and with no regard to safety. And, and I think historians will forever write about this for, for you know, clearly the rest of our lifetimes about oh, yeah. what a debacle that was. It's always safety, safety, safety. We, by, the, by early in January, we had so many different data systems ticking up the COVID-19 vaccines should have been pulled off the market by February of 2021. We had about 27 million Americans vaccinated at that time, and they should have been pulled off for excess mortality, just like any other product. We've had other, we have hundreds of products pulled off the market. So listen, we tried it. It didn't work out. People were pa- passing away. We need to study this, what was happening. Uh, and, and you know, Even Pfizer, within 90 days, knew about 1,223 deaths. People were taking the vaccine, dying within a day or two, 
And people were calling Pfizer in desperation, saying, my, my loved one just died of the vaccine. Pfizer dutifully rec- recorded all these numbers. Mm-hmm. And when they, they were pressed to release this, in the court proceedings under FOIA, the lawyer for the FDA did not want to release that data source from Pfizer to the public for 55 years. So we have evidence our FDA is actively involved in a safety disaster cover-up and Pfizer being one of the suppliers, a safety disaster cover-up. Imagine recording 1,223 deaths in the corporate offices of Pfizer and the Pfizer execs don't shut it down. They, they probably figure, listen, we're just a supplier to this national security program. The FDA saying, well, listen, we, we can't stop it anyway. It's a DOD HHS program. And just letting this go on and then actually trying to uh, block this later on, cover it up so American doesn't know about this. This is extraordinary. Yeah, and this is what I want to ask you about, um, because I have a bill I want to get to, our Vaccine Manufacturer Full Product Liability Restoration Act, which I wrote in 2021, uh, March 31st. And so this has been around for a while. In fact, Senator Johnson sent him a copy. My own congressman, Matt Gates has a copy. Um, but I want to, this is new to me, the, the DODHHS, because you said this a few times. And uh, why are they working together? What, is, is the program as bad as we think, that this is a bioweapon, that this is designed for world population control? What's, what's the bottom line here? What have, what have you been able to find out? You know, go to the website for DARPA, D-A-R-P-A. That's the research unit of the military. It's on the website mm-hmm. today. In 2012, they announced a program called the ADAPT P3 program, the Protect hmm. uh, Pandemic Program. And they announced in 2012 they will use messenger RNA vaccines to end pandemics in 60 days. That was a DARPA program. It still is today. And they started organizing it with DARPA consultants, and the money started flowing. Moderna received its first government money in 2013 to make messenger RNA vaccines. And so this is a U.S. government aspiration. It came out of the military. And, you know, you know, Pfizer didn't dream this up. Moderna didn't dream this up. This was a government-directed opportunity. Now, the uh, research division of the NIH, BARDA, they were mm-hmm. directing work on the virus. And so one of the lead institutions was the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. Ralph Barrick is a senior investigator. Right. Uh, Manicherry was the first author. You know, two papers in 2015, meaning they did the work from 2012 forward. But the papers were in 2015 in very good journals. So Nature uh, Communications and the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences are just available on the website. Just look it up. Manicherry, first author. In the title of the paper, it, both papers say the emergence of SARS-CoV-2 in the human populations. They were working on this. They were making the virus more invasive and more lethal. It was gain-of-function research. They couldn't do it in the United States. So specifically they said, we're going to contract this to the lab in Wuhan, China. Hmm. It's a U.S. government operation. And there's similar anthrax programs, similar smallpox, monkeypox programs. So in the biological threat area of research, there's two assets held. One asset is the threat, the, the infectious disease that could cause damage as, as, a, as a biological uh, threat. And then mm-hmm. there's the countermeasure. The countermeasures are uh, vaccines, monoclonal antibodies, and other drugs. And even the word countermeasure is used in all of our pandemic response uh, uh, policy, countermeasures, the, the PrEP Act and uh, uh, all the other things uh, that happen. HHS uses the word countermeasure all the time. Countermeasure is a military term. 
It's a military term. So what we learned is this is a U.S. military operation. And to this day, the vaccines are not made by these companies. For instance, um, you know, Moderna is essentially a marketing shield. Uh, Moderna's mm-hmm. vaccines are made by a biodefense contractor called Resilience. It's got a big factory up in Mississauga, Ontario, Resilience. And under the emergency use authorization, Moderna has no rights to inspect the product or even see what's in it. The final fill and finish is done far away from Moderna. So Americans should know these vaccines have not undergone any safety inspections, none. So we don't know how much messenger RNA is in there, the quality and purity of the the lipid nanoparticles, the complexes, and and, and any uh, screening for contaminants, none. See, I thought it was just a, a simple fascist coalition of big government, big pharma, big tech, you know, to make billions of dollars. But it's, it's a lot more insidious than that. This is actually a military operation using us as the guinea pigs. But this is worldwide, though. So who's benefiting? Who's, it's, who's, it's, is it it's just worldwide, the... and it's interesting, and the vaccines don't seem to matter. You know, worldwide, wow. I think one of the most frequently used vaccines are the killed vaccines, the Sinovac, Coronavac vaccine. It's very interesting. China's got a library now of like 12 vaccines. China's become an incubator for new uh, variants because they're just uh, using so many vaccines. China, the CCP claims to have administered 3 billion doses of vaccines. They only have 1.3 billion people. So they have heavily vaccinated, probably mainly with the killed virus vaccine, which is known to promote variants. And that's been known. South America has extensively used the Chinese vaccine. Even in the United States, I've always found it curious we have four vaccines on the market. There must be a winner. There must be a loser. There must be two in between. How come no one, any school, any employer or government agency, how come no one cares which one's the best? Why do they just say take a vaccine? That's a great vaccine? question. <laughs> I well, am, if, that, if they really yeah. worked, if they yeah. really worked, if people were mm-hmm. really interested in their theoretical protection, why wouldn't there be this natural American competitive race to figure out which one's the best? How come Pfizer and Moderna don't seem to be too competitive with one another? How come Johnson & Johnson or, or Novavax, how come no one's actually competing to be the most effective or the safe, safest? There seems to be yeah. no interest. There's no American competitive spirit whatsoever. This is fascinating. This is all new to me. This is, I'm so glad you're on. Um, it's, it, and no other company has decided to get into the vaccine business. It's like the market's closed. It's interesting. You know, AstraZeneca withdrew in November of 2022, AstraZeneca said we're out. That was the Oxford vaccine. They quietly mm-hmm. withdrew everywhere. The AstraZeneca vaccine, by the way, is nearly identical to Johnson & Johnson, and they're made mm-hmm. by the same company. They're made by Emergent Biosolutions outside Baltimore, again, a biodefense contractor. So um, uh, yeah, I think people just, just ought to take a look at what these products are, understand that the pharma companies are essentially marketing shields. The, uh, I, I think one of the reasons why there's no competition is mm-hmm. these products are all pre-purchased. So the government buys them uh, right. without, without any basis. They're not competitive pro- products. In fact, the bivalent vaccines were purchased before the studies were even done. So the companies are just, is just gravy. The companies are just skimming profit off. They farm out the production to the, the defense contractors who are already you know, in place to begin with. And so... Uh, the production goes. The vaccines are part of this bigger biopharmaceutical response. Don't forget the in vitro diagnostic manufacturers have made a killing, those making personal protective equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very similar to defense contractors where, uh, you know, once they're in place, you've always heard about the, 
you know, the $30 hammer and stuff like this for these uh, government contractors. It's the same thing. It's just fallen into this biodefense area now. Well, that's the model. It's been brutal for a long time. They're just, yeah. they're just following the model they know. This is fascinating. All right. Just in the interest of time, uh, just because I know I could ask you a million questions, uh, let's, uh, there's a couple of bills I want to introduce you to. I don't know how much you know about them already. I know you were sent them, but I know you're busy, too, so you may not have a chance to go over them. Are you familiar at all with our vaccine manufacturer product liability bill? Yes, I took a look at it. What do you think? You know, it's long overdue. What we know in 1986, when the idea of vaccine liability came in, it came in because of a term uh, that's, I think, a disturbing term, and that it's unavoidable harms. There was a recognition that with vaccines widely mm-hmm. applied, there was going to be unavoidable harms. Unavoidable. That's actually in the, uh, that word, you know, is, is in the documentation of this. That means that some people are going to be damaged by vaccines. And so right. because of that, there must be liability. And when there's liability, they just said, well, listen, there still would be compensation, but it's going to be paid by the U.S. government. And what's happened over time is $3.9 billion, with a B, dollars have been paid out for these unavoidable vaccine injuries. And people are getting really uncomfortable. You know, there's some states like in California now, children mm-hmm. effectively can't go to school unless they take a vaccine and face this unavoidable harm. And people are getting very, very uncomfortable and nervous about this. Not everybody can take a vaccine. I mentioned I took them all, and Mm -hmm. I'm fine. I wasn't harmed. But not everybody can take them. And there's no opportunity for individualization. And there always must be individualization in medicine. Not everybody can take every pill. Makes sense. Yeah, I, I am anti-vaccine. I've been that way since uh, since I heard about Gulf War syndrome and squalene and, uh, you know, adjuvants and all these new words to me. I was like, wait a minute, you know, so, uh, you know, I raised a daughter with, with absolute minimum except some, some of the classic uh, uh, vaccines, but otherwise, no, and she's fine. Um, but uh, this bill, there's something I, I still think that Congress, they're, they're going to be incapable of introducing this because they're so beholden to big pharma. You know, and the money for the FDA comes mostly from big pharma and big tech has invested so heavily in, in pharmaceuticals. They're making their money from this, too. And they're all working together to suppress information and, and force this out here. This has to come from from us, from we the people. You know, our mission statement here is that we the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. And so the whole point of this is to supply Congress and the state legislatures and local governments with new legislation from a new source, you know, us, the way the country was supposed to be run, so that the, the laws come from us to the government to regulate the special interests rather than the laws coming from the special interests bought, you know, by the special interests from government to regulate us. So this is an entire reversal of how everything's been done. This is, this is, this is my peaceful revolution. This is, this is my business. And the more you can do, the more you want to do, uh, the more involved you want to get. In fact, uh, I've got an idea for a bill for you if you're interested in starting to write one, um, uh, sort of reining in the, the medical boards and licensing boards that have so constricted doctors from what they're doing. So if you're interested in working on that, you know, let me know. Um, this right this now, would we be, definitely uh, need uh, well, the hero well, organization is the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, AAPS. They've been around since mm-hmm. 1943, chartered in all the states, uh, staunch advocates of independent medical decision-making, the Hippocratic Oath, uh, mm-hmm. doctors determining the community standard of care. That's the group to really partner with on this type of uh, legislation. But I, I wholly agree. I think the other complicating factor here 
is mm-hmm. when I was a kid and I was born, there were three shots defending against five diseases. Now mm-hmm. there are a, a total of 72 shots over the course of 18 years defending against 16 diseases. And there's, there's an enthusiasm for vaccine vaccines, I think, that has a psychology behind it. And the psychology is that there's this uh, tacit belief system that the human immune system is inherently weak, that we need protection, and that mankind can do better than, than Mother Nature in terms of immunity. Mm-hmm. You know, the vast majority of uh, reductions in diseases from polio to various forms of dysentery and cholera has actually been through sanitation. Uh, sanitation yeah. of, of 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 food and water Chlorine. supplies. Chlorine <laughs> yeah. in the pools. No, yeah. No, no. There's, and, and there's, sewers. There's, yeah, yeah. There's been a, a, a giant advance, and so yeah. uh, so the idea is now there's been some vaccines that I think honestly are, are compelling, like uh, rubella, and, and essentially eliminating congenital rubella syndrome, which okay. were like twenty thousand disastrous cases a year in the United States. There are some that are compelling, but as we sit here today. Mm-hmm. There's an increasing movement to do, as you suggested, to go natural. And it, it was been fueled by some of the pioneering work of Paul Thomas. Paul's a pediatrician who studied this in his practice, uh, where half his patients took all the vaccine schedule, like me, and half the others didn't, like uh, uh, you and your child. And and you know what? The ones who did not take any vaccines had lower rates of asthma, atopic mm-hmm. dermatitis, Autoimmune conditions, autism, tubes, uh, yeah, uh, this uh, neuropsychiatric disorders. Yeah. So Thomas's paper, as a prospective comparative study, really opened our mind to wait a minute. Mm-hmm. D- the vaccines, are, you know, despite their benefits, actually may be on a population basis causing disease. So the number of people now. There's a recent Kaiser Family Survey. Thought of my Substack Courageous Discourse. The number of families now who are actively considering going natural is skyrocketing. And of those who have not taken the COVID-19 vaccine, the majority are considering for their children going completely natural. Yeah. And, uh, and just because I'm the anti-vaccine does not mean I'm anti-treatment. In fact, I'm actually pro-early treatment, you know, vitamins, minerals, and, and treating a disease. And speaking of the psychology again, the psychology is that only vaccines will work as opposed to, you know, if someone gets COVID with early treatment, you know, in most cases, you can take care of it. You know, all the things you talked about, Dr. Slanko talked about, you know, all the other folks, Dr. Mikovits, we, we had this, uh, for 18 weeks, we had the world's greatest doctors panel. Uh, and we used to brainstorm for three hours. And Dr. Mikovits, uh, Brian Artis was on, uh, John Cullen, the, who created the, the, the COVID map for Johns Hopkins, he was on, uh, Ben Marble, Jim Thorpe, all these incredible people were on. And I can, I can send you the links if you're interested. But we talked about all this stuff. So the information was out there, but it was being so suppressed. And I'm still so suppressed here. Um, but this idea that uh, these folks had, treatments that worked. And if, if the, you know, if the journalists reported and everybody and Congress looked at the results of the people that are still here who got ivermectin and hydroxychloric and things like that, as opposed to the people that went through, and I, I'm not trying to make fun of this, but the, what I call the severe ventilator death march, you know, where it just, it was horrible what was happening to people. And yet it's better morally in this country to, to kill somebody in a hospital with a treatment that's known not to work than it is to save somebody with an inexpensive treatment that we know does work. It's like a moral flipping completely. It was. And, you know, the timeline on this is I had one of the first FDA new drug applications to actually study this in March of uh-huh. 2020. 
the FLCC group led by Pierre Corey and Paul Merrick had the first inpatient protocol in March of 2020 at Eastern Virginia School of Medicine. I had the first peer-reviewed publication on how to treat COVID in American Journal of Medicine in August of 2020, and that's still the most widely read downloaded paper in all of outpatient COVID-19. And then the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons in October of 2020 had a full home treatment guide, telemedicine networks uh, constructed, including Ben Marvel's mm-hmm. MyFreeDoctor.com. So yep. I am telling you, within six months, <clears throat> practicing doctors like myself, we basically had the problem handled. We brought the message to the uh, American people in uh, November 19th of 2020. I was the lead presenter and witness in the U.S. Senate, and that's mm-hmm. how historians are going to record this. So the the two major approaches, if America would have adopted them, would have absolutely saved probably two-thirds of 10 million hospitalizations, would have saved two-thirds of a million lives lost, and mm-hmm. and would have basically preserved our economy, people's jobs, and their life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. The two things would have been the AAPS Home Treatment Guide instituted as a national standard of care and promoted by the government and assisted by the government. And the other one would be the Great Barrington Declaration, which was came out in November of 2020. And that was written by uh, Jay Bhattachar at Stanford, Martin Kaldoffer at Harvard, Sunita Gupta at Oxford, a million doctors, including myself, signed off on this. The Great Barrington Declaration said, do what Dr. McCullough is proposing, treat patients <laughs> at high risk, protect those at high risk, and don't mm-hmm. do anything else. No public masking, no hand sanitizers, no shutdowns, no lockdowns, none of that. If those two things, and people are going to go over this over and over again because the principles have been proven correct. Mm-hmm. Great Barrington and the treatment approaches and I give great credit to Zelenko and FLCC and Didier Rialt and, um, uh, and then the groups I worked with in Italy and the United States that we came up with these treatment approaches. But it always takes four to six drugs, and it's not everybody. It's, it's a group of high-risk individuals, and it's been done worldwide. Some of the biggest studies <clears throat> have come out of Iran, uh, Asia. One of the uh, things that should uh, alarm Americans is that this is a worldwide problem. When was the last time we saw a news report on what's going on with COVID outside the United States and how they're treating? When was the last time we saw an update on a new innovation in COVID? Three years into it, no presentation of innovations. The only thing Americans hear morning, noon, and night is take a vaccine, and it doesn't matter which one. Yeah, it, it, it's staggering, the people that are not asking questions. Well, let me get back to the, the, the bill here for a second, just for folks that are new to this. Uh, just to summarize really quickly, we get rid of the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program because that's going to be paid by Big Pharma through liability. We get rid of the Declaration of Emergency. Uh, we uh, take the current law. And here's what I found fascinating about citizen legislation. Uh, the actual bills, the real problems with the bills are very clear, very obvious, and very easy to change. So if I go to, for those of you that like uh, citations, 42 U.S. Code, Section 300-AA-22-Standards of Responsibility, Section B1, it says no vaccine manufacturer shall be liable in a civil action for damages arising from a vaccine-related injury or death associated with blah, 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 blah. All right, so that's it. So how do you fix that? It says no manufacturer shall be liable. When you go to my section, proposed law, and you go down to that same exact place, and it says, and I just changed the, the, just a few words. I said vaccine manufacturers shall be fully liable in any civil action for damages arising from vaccine, da, 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 the whole bit. That's how easy it is to change it. Instead of saying shall not, 
Just say shall be fully. What three it's words? Because all the other language, all the other language has been vetted. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's brilliant. Uh, but you're right. This, Thank you. Know, you. Product liability is just part of American life. There's product liability on your toaster oven and your pressure cooker and your car and and all the other drugs. Yeah, your that donut shop. <laughs> you know your your car yeah. mechanic. You yeah. know everybody yeah, has product there's, liability. There's, there's always a product liability. Uh, these manufacturers, it's well known, have, have raked in billions of dollars, billions and billions of dollars. Uh, U.S. taxpayers shouldn't be paying the freight for this. As mm-hmm. soon as we had product liability, I'll tell you about what happened. Okay. Immediately, the companies, the companies would start to retire certain vaccines and say, mm-hmm. you know what, uh, this isn't a problem anymore. We really don't need to do this. Pertussis and diphtheria are very easily treated with it, you know, a Z-Pack. And uh, we don't have a problem with tetanus infections since we have good wound care in the United States. And you'd start to see them retire the vaccines and limit their liability. And and then the other thing you start to see is you start to see um, risk stratification and more focused protection. So, for an example, the rubella vaccine, which I mentioned is really good, Uh uh, it only applies to women of childbearing potential. So you'd say, well, the recommendations now are just for... Uh, girls as they enter the um, uh, puberty, pu- uh, pubertal years to take a vaccine if they parents want to do that. But, you know, there's no reason for boys to take a rubella vaccine because rubella doesn't really have any impact. It's, it's no different than any other cold. And you start to see a reduction in the vaccine burden, which I think would be a very welcome thing. Fascinating. What would you like to do with this and how can I help you? Where, where do you want to take this bill? Can you introduce it to the public? Can you bring it to the you know, next interview? Can you testify on this in Congress? Can you take it to Senator Johnson, who seems to be the most active? Uh, what do you got in mind and how can I help you do it? It, it clearly needs to happen, but you know, the, the space is so crowded right now. The, the job number one in terms of talking point is to get the COVID-19 vaccines off the market. Okay. So you know, I officially uh, concluded the U.S. Senate session on December 7th, 2022, with that specific call. Mm-hmm. Is like, get them off the market. Within 48 hours in the U.K. Parliament, the same thing happened. The Australian Parliament is very important. A, mar- a call for market removal is a very, very strong statement. And it's not something we go back and debate. Oh, let's debate the data now. It's like, no, the decision has been made. Get them off the market. <laughs> People have come on my yeah. Twitter account. Oh, I want to debate you now. It's like, oh, you do? It's too late. We've had three years of this. Um, yeah, we got the evidence is already the out there. Yeah, yeah but, okay. But uh, you know, you said something important that needs mm-hmm. to happen. Uh, uh, coincident to that is uh, we need to end these emergency declarations. Uh, there are two. We're under two, by the way, and they come from the White House, the National Emergency, and then HHS, the um, Public Health Emergency. Uh, but we're under SARS-CoV-2 and monkeypox emergencies. Neither oh. one exists right now. Yeah. Wow. Neither one exists. We absolutely positively have to end these emergencies. And, and I agree, when we get into uh, uh, normal sessions now, this needs to happen uh, as a parallel is to uh, remove the liability. What's going to happen in the COVID-19 vaccine debacle? I can tell you what's mm-hmm. going to happen is that uh, – there's going to be enormous vaccine hesitancy. There's going to be a huge pro-choice movement uh, that people would choose whether or not they want to receive. Interesting vaccine. choice of words. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then and then this liability uh, shield is going to fall. Yeah. And I predict yeah, I all of those are going to happen. And yeah. and so for those who were dreaming of worldwide vaccination, they could not have hurt the vaccine uh, cause more 
than standing behind these COVID-19 vaccines. Yeah. See, my, my thought was that there'd be an immediate recall of all the, the gene jabs and that they would say we're not liable for anything that happened before the law passed. That's what I think they're going to do. Oh, um, just, okay. That's good thinking. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah it's reliable. Um, oh, we're going to take them off the market. Now it would be a voluntary recall. That's actually a brilliant thought. So that, that's another way of doing it. If, if the liability comes in yeah. soon, then as soon as they see that, then it could um, push for a voluntary recall. Well, but even just talking about this. Yeah, but even just talking about this, if it's in the national debate uh, and, and pollsters start polling and news reporters start reporting that there's a vaccine bill out there, Congress can't run from this. Because if they say, they're, they're saying that, well, we need years of study and, you know, millions of dollars and new agencies, just like they do with big tech regulation. I fix big tech in four lines of law. I'll get to that in just a second. Then I'll take it. We've got a couple of callers that are uh, anxious to talk to you. But the solutions yeah, are yeah, so deceptively simple. The, we have to get, you have a good call. I have a TV show at the top of the hour. So Okay, uh, well, let me, let's can, get right to this yeah. then. Yeah. Um, so, and then you can, people can read the vaccine bill. It's at writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. So did you get a chance to check out the, our big tech uh, eliminating censorship bill? No, I didn't, but why don't you summarize it real quick? Okay. What it does is right now uh, Congress gave – in fact, Congress is the problem here. They gave the ability of big tech to do anything they want. Where it says here uh, in Section 232A, uh, any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access to or availability of material that the provider, that's big tech, or user, that's us, considers to be obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or, and here are the keywords, otherwise objectionable. Whether or not such material is constitutionally protected, so they, not only, they, they allow them to do anything they want, uh, they, they throw out the First Amendment. Uh, they can do that. So Congress gave the ability of big tech to censor anything they want. So my thought was, well, wait a minute, that's a law enforcement power. And we already have obscenity laws and pornography laws and child pornography laws. There's no reason for big tech to have this power at all. So my bill, very simply, it keeps the immunity for big tech for anything that we users post. So in other words, if you libel, slander, threaten, things like that, the user is responsible for that. Big tech has absolutely no liability there. Because they have no liability, the second part, and here's the key part, any contact, infringement, interaction, limitation, interference, or any other touching in any way, no matter how minuscule, by any provider of interactive computer services with any of the following, and that's any and all content posts, uh, communications, you know, and touching of the search engine results beyond the raw number of hits. And that was says, and then I said, shall void and revoke all civil liability immunity from that provider. So if they touch what you post, if they touch your account, if they touch the search engine results, uh, then they lose the liability. It's just that simple, and they can be sued. That's the whole bill. Yeah, that was pretty strong. You know, one of the ways to think about it is all this mm-hmm. uh, Internet and social media, they're common carriers. The Federal Trade Commission has common carrier things mm-hmm. regarding you know, a, few basic, uh, a few basic things, and they're common carriers. They're not curators of information. And uh, this idea of th- that they have curation What's going to happen again in this whole COVID debacle is that is Google and, and Internet search agents and all the other social media are going to say, listen, it wasn't us. FBI came into our offices and told us to do this. And it started happening actually before yeah. COVID. It happened in the last election cycle. So they're going to say, listen, this is a government operation. So you know, what, what happened is these companies became state actors. So, so you know, the, the, the legal... Uh, standard for a state actor is substantial encouragement. 
So clearly in the Twitter files, Twitter was substantially encouraged by the FBI and the CDC to censor me, as an example. They mm-hmm. were clearly, uh, uh, you know, encouraged. Well, they're state actors. They actually now have taken away my rights, my right of free speech. Mm-hmm. So they have violated my First Amendment right. So they are now state actors. So what happens is, is Twitter, when the FBI came in, Twitter said, listen, you, you know, you're making me a state actor. I have to guarantee McCullough's right to free speech. I, I can't do that if I suspend his account. And mm-hmm. so you can see now the liability chain's been expanded. And so I think you're going to see a ton of civil liberty litigation out of this. And, and I think all the agencies are, are going to pay dearly, and I think the social media companies are going to pay. Well, see, this bill makes it easy, though, and I'm hoping to get the, the national trial lawyers in on this as well. And so if you just if you if you make them, you know, you take give them immunity for things that other people do and put on social media and search engines, but open it up that if they touch anything, if they cross that line, uh, then they can be sued for it. Then I think that I think that solves the problem. Uh, I don't know how much time you have left, but uh, whatever you want to say in the next few minutes, you know, uh, feel free. And uh, anything you can do with this, you know, with these two bills, uh, let me know and I'll be helping again. You know, just shamelessly, I'll plug myself that I'd love to get the same message to maybe Tucker Carlson and maybe uh, Joe Rogan and see if we can get people just copying the bill link, sending it to Congress, sending it to other media and get this out there in the, in the national debate. And let's see what happens. I think it makes a lot of sense. People should be writing their own laws. This country is for the people and not for government. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, our laws are pr- to protect the people from the government. And that comes way back to, you know, protecting <laughs> that people wanted to be protected against British rule. And so that's uh, what this is about. It's been inverted now. The government uh, believes it's protecting the public and acting in the best interest of the public, and it's been been a disaster. Uh, It's been happening worldwide, though. This is a worldwide operation. I keep going back to that. Uh, Something much bigger is at play right now. Mm -hmm. And John Leake, my co-author in my book, says we should always pay attention to public aspirational utterances. For example, Bill Gates has said, circa 2010, UK tabloids, that you can reduce the world's population through mass vaccination, and that would be a good thing. Uh, Klaus Schwab has said in his book, COVID-19 pandemic will be a limited window to establish a new world order. Mm -hmm. I mean, we should take these. These are aspirational statements or public statements. We should take them seriously. I think there's something much bigger going on, and uh, U.S. laws can help uh, provide protections, what have you, but there's something very big going on in the world right now, and and it is, at this point in time, very much focused on a needle in every arm. People think uh, the next uh, area of focus is going to be digital currency and, and digital passports and things of this nature, but it is focused on a needle in every arm, and it doesn't matter what product which is very interesting. In, in many circumstances, it doesn't matter when it was taken. You know, to pass a lot of these borders, you just have to take a vaccine at any time. It could be two years ago and it's still good. Well, everybody knows theoretically they're only good for six months. Most employers don't even have a six-month check on this. They say, well, if you take it once a year, you're good. Now, even the CDC childhood vaccine schedule for the COVID vaccines is unclear on this. They don't say the kid has to keep getting a shot every six months. They say, well, just an annual shot. Well, it doesn't work annually. So you can tell something is distorted in the thinking. It's focused on vaccines. It doesn't sound good. doesn't smell good. And people are rejecting them. 
uh, we're leading resistance here. And so uh, changing the laws so that we, the people, can actually, you know, like I say, write the laws we consent to be governed by. Uh, do you have time for a question, or do you just like to give your contact information? How much time do you have left? Uh, I, I'll take, uh, let me take two questions real quick. All right, let's do it really fast. Let's get uh, uh, Josie here, one of our longest uh, reporter folks. She does a Latino report. Grew up under communism in Nicaragua, so she knows this kind of stuff. Dr. Peter McCullough, quick question. Good morning. Good morning. Great show. Quick question. Are you going to be in Nashville with us this weekend? Yes, I'll be there. See you soon. Oh, in person or, or on the screen? No, in person. There we go. Good. So I get to meet you. I'm going to tell you, Josie with Action Radio. Okay. And then we'll talk. See you then. See you then. We'll, we'll do a get... quick spot. Okay, we'll we'll get... we'll we'll get... we'll 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 Matter of fact, they dispel what uh, Joseph Mercola says, and I'm saying this is that uh, news sources are going are not going to admit to the correlation between the pandemic, the vaccine, and uh, these athletes fall dropping dead. What's Good going point. to have Let's, to happen is that the kickoff and the and the uh, and the Super Bowl after the whistle is blown, you look downfield and see about six or eight athletes laying on their back dying, that may be what kicks it over. Yeah, let's get a response. Well, just to, just to respond to that, people mm-hmm. have said this isn't about Damar Hamlin. Thankfully, he survived. And, you know, I, I told America he was going to survive. I was on Tucker Carlson within 24 hours. I was the only doctor who correctly made the call on the resuscitation and the whole, you know, the whole ordeal. As a doctor, when I have a patient who's had a cardiac arrest and they have no prior history of heart disease, in fact, these athletes have been screened for heart disease before they play, the first question I ask clinically is, did they take a COVID vaccine? That's the first question. Because the FDA says the vaccines cause heart damage. And in our cardiology guidelines, we cannot let them exercise if they have heart damage. A lot of them don't feel it. If they exercise, it triggers a cardiac arrest. So for that reason, we can never, ever rule out the vaccine. And we're now nearly two weeks into this, and the doctors haven't said a word. If they would have turned up a heart problem, they would have said it right away. And the doctors looked so uncomfortable in that press conference. So until proven otherwise, Damaris Hamlin's cardiac arrest was due to COVID-19 vaccine-induced myocarditis. I've told America that. And what I'm saying is, I'm agreeing with what you're saying, this is going to be swept under the rug. You'll probably never hear about this young man again, and it's Mm -hmm. going to be the next one that becomes the discussion point. And and unfortunately, it's going to happen because there's no safety measures put in place. Hmm. Should we be screening airline pilots for blood clots and other potential problems? Well, we should have screening programs. Uh, The NCAA Big Ten during Mm -hmm. COVID – and so did the military. They had very good screening programs. They screened for myocarditis. They didn't find much with COVID. But these screening programs existed. They involved blood testing and EKG and echo and MRI. So, so our military and our athletic leagues had the proper myocarditis screening program. 
but they just did it during the wrong phase of the pandemic. They did it during the infection where myocarditis doesn't come up very often, and they stopped doing it during the vaccination where our FDA says the vaccines cause myocarditis. So a paper was published by Daniels and colleagues in JAMA. They should take the Big Ten program, which is very good, and they should institute it across the college in the pros. We should be doing that right away. I think they should do it for airline pilots, uh, workers that, you know, are in situations where they can impact uh, the health, uh, health and safety of others. And we should have a myocarditis screening program. It's been done. It was done in the Big 12. They can do it, uh, you know, published in one of the you know, widely read journals. There's no reason why we can't do this. Yeah. Do you have time for a question or do you have to go? One more? I have to go, unfortunately. Okay. Contact information, and then thank you so much. I really appreciate having you on. Yeah, thank you. Go to my website, PeterMcCulloughMD.com. That'll take you everywhere. Have a very popular Substack, Courageous Discourse, just published today on uh, pregnancy and vaccination. Uh, book, CourageToFaceCovid.com, and that uh, has uh, over 1,000 five-star ratings on Amazon. A uh, very popular book, uh, true story, true crime story about the suppression of early treatment. And then go to my, I have a podcast, uh, it's on radio this every weekend, twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday, McCullough Report, America Out Loud Talk Radio, McCullough Report. And then you'll see me in the news almost every week. I'm a frequent contributor on Fox, Newsmax, One American News. I've been on ABC, almost all the stations. Perfect. And you have the bills now to work with also. So thank you, sir. I'll be watching. I'll be okay. joining Substack myself. Take care. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Wow. I'm going to take a break for a minute here, and then we've got uh, Diane's on the line still with our election integrity report, and then we've got Josie for the next hour. She's calling in early. Pianchi's still here. We took it right up into the hour. We have about three minutes to go. He's got to get ready for his next interview. So let me take a little bit of a break right now. I'm back with, uh, with our callers, and uh, free-for-all for the rest of the show. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments, and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get 
the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Okay, we are back. I made the, the lines live. Uh, Diane's going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. And we've got uh, our, our two regulars, Josie and Pianchi, here. Uh, let's start with Josie. That was, that was an incredible uh, uh, interview and an amazing amount of information and some things that I learned that I have to start researching now. What do you think? Great. It was a great show. I didn't want to interrupt. I said, now to see him uh, live in uh, Nashville this weekend. We're going to be with a bunch of doctors and a lot of people. Well, he'll know you Thank now. He said he'd be there. So, yeah. So so what you can do is, now he's already read the bills, but you can certainly talk about them. And now that he knows both bills, uh, although uh, there's probably, you know, more to think about with, uh, yeah. product, uh, with the product, uh, with the big tech, but he knows the product liability bill. And that's the reason he came on the show, you know, because we're Good. it. And uh, I'll talk to him, you know, wait till he's done his other stuff. And I have, uh, you know, my, my secret agent, uh, they can chat and see if we can get, you know, contact with uh, Joe Rogan and Tucker Carlson. I want to do those mm-hmm. shows too. We yeah. start getting this into the, into the national debate. We start getting this into the world debate. You know, this is a worldwide show. You know, it's kind of funny. We have a new sponsor, yeah. one of our local uh, automotive stars. In fact, my mechanic, you know, is, is now a sponsor of Action Radio. And so it, yeah, it's great. Yeah, you heard. 
Yeah, isn't that great? That's Man, uh, the Florida stores in Milton. I wish yeah. I would have known because I just had my oil change yesterday since we're traveling, you know. It really needed yeah. it. Well, you need and it again. For my husband. <laughs> my, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And they're over there by the bakery in Milton, right, you said? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And okay, so th- this show is going to be a mixture of national companies, international companies and, and local companies, you know, and this is, I mean, I'm, I'm uh-huh. here in Milton and I want to promote the company, the, 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 the community. I'm just hoping the community, you know, we get more folks you know, promoting. And so that's, that's where we're going. And then of course my book and, and grave care, and we'll have a couple of other uh, commercials because we're affiliates with a bunch of different places. Pianchi, sir, thanks for joining us. What, what did you think? Well, <clears throat> You know, he has a good point. And as I said, Epic Times had an article, well, it had an article that was produced by uh, Mercola, and he mentioned the report made by Mercola on Jamel, Hamel, but no other news stories are even covering. Uh, you can't find this article it just put out today. You can't find it any place else, and that there is a big problem. Well, he referred and to the press they, conference, uh, and I, uh, did you see the press conference? Because I, I thought that my my first thing was, "Hey, there's no press conference. What's going on?" So they actually held a press conference. What, what happened? No, well, this apparently he he done a review, and I posted it in Facebook, uh-huh. and he made he made reference to uh, that. The heart was weakened by the vaccine, the muscles. Now, I had a great, I had a friend that died from that uh, on Christmas Eve after he suffered a heart attack uh, the previous Saturday. Yeah. So uh, he was a former NFL football player, and he did well, take the jab. Uh, I'm wondering if football players are more suspect of this. And Jesse, we're going to get to your report in just a second. Jesse's calling in because the it's show okay. got canceled yesterday. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and we can talk about all this. I just, you know, want to get your theme in because it's fun. Um, but uh, they can't talk about this, Pianchi. They can't, they can't get this back to the vaccine, the gene jab, you know. Well, I agree uh, they with can't you. do that's, it. Well, that's the problem. That's it the is problem. the problem. It's going to take a mass number of people, like I made mention, in the Super Bowl yeah. on the oh, yeah. kickoff. Yep. After the down and yep. horse was blown, they looked downfield and see four or five players laying on the, on their backs. Then maybe it will get the attention that it needs. You know, that's an interesting point. And, and, uh, Peter picked up on that. Peter McCullough picked up on that very quickly. He says, yeah, it's not the first one. It's the second one. And then, and then the third one. And this is going to happen again. And I'm just wondering if football players, because of the, uh, you know, the explosive nature of, of, of plays, football is a weird game. They don't do a lot most of the time, but when they do, it's incredibly intense for, for however many seconds the play runs. But uh, then you look at soccer players, which have, uh, you know, soccer and basketball, where the ball is going up and down the court or up and down the field. There's a lot of aerobics, and it seems like the most aerobic sports, the ones that need the greatest heart-lung capacity, you know, you don't see ping pong players, players keeling over, at least it's not being reported, you know, but you see, or golfers, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's football players because of the intense activity and this huge uh, strain on the heart that these athletes have to have. So I think that's probably tied into it. And, and McCullough would know he's a heart specialist. I mean, that's his field. Interesting. All right, let me play Josie's theme you see, and we can continue this you discussion. See Go ahead, all the, uh, you see all the uh, uh, soccer players dropping that? Nobody's talking about it. Well, that's because we ahead. don't play soccer Do you... here in this country. Yeah, we don't we don't play as much yeah. soccer. 
Uh, it's not as big a game here. If yeah. it were, that'd be different. Football, I think football is going to be it's going to be the real uh, kicker here. All right, let's get to our theme and then to Josie's report. We should have been yesterday, but we had a little bit of technical difficulties, as they say. Mm-hmm. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism, and now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossey knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Cossey. So again, we can talk about... Buenos dias. Good morning. Buenos dias. Dobre I, 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 should, I shouldn't cut you off when I do that. I just play your theme and then I like start talking. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Buenos dias. Konnichiwa. Guten Buenos tag. Buenos dias. For the people in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, well, my report, yes, it was going to be talking about the vaccines, actually. And then I didn't know you had... Uh, people this morning I was like wow that's cool but I didn't want to interrupt like I said Colin Um, but more and more famous people are dropping dead and um, now people are kind of like waking up and I noticed the difference on the nursing uh, staff from different places different hospitals different facilities in the area talking more about it Um, I had a nurse Saturday uh, from a local hospital. She's been here for about six months uh, from California, escaping mm-hmm. the radical left communist state, uh, or I should say the people running the show, not the state, really. Um, so he was saying that one of his patients, double vaccinated, double boosters, uh, she got up to go to the bathroom in her room, you know, and then she collapsed. Uh, she uh, hurt her head. She split her head open and blood everywhere, he was saying. And then when he came to pick her up, literally there was blood clots coming out of the crack of the head uh, that he's never seen in his life before. Wow. Uh, and then uh, and then the, while we were talking, he was just almost in tears, this guy. And uh, he points out and he goes, they are murder. This hospital are murderers, and I was like, I was in shock for a nurse to be telling me that because I just met him, you know, and uh, so so he knows a lot what's going on, and uh, many of the students are being forced still to do the flu shot. That's the new thing. They really are like a like an army uh, forcing them or military, you know. Just you got to get the vaccine, you know, the flu shot. And also that nine-year-old little boy that was paralyzed after getting the children's vaccine, the routine mm-hmm. vaccine, he's still, he still paralyzed, uh, the girl was telling me. Uh, so I don't know what they did to that boy, but they probably gave him the COVID shot instead of the children's shot, you know, your routine shot. But uh, it's sad what is happening, and we haven't stopped this killing. And it is time to stop I don't know what what is it going to take. 
I mean, you know. Well, I know. I know one thing is product liability. That's the first thing. In fact, uh, McCall was talking. Remember, when I talked about the a total recall uh, or voluntary recall mm-hmm. and, and a statement that that nothing, you know, that they're not liable for anything that happened before this act was passed. And um, and he's like, oh, you know, so so that kind of worked. But he made a point too that you just made it as well, which is that the flu shot is. He said it doesn't matter what goes into your arm. They just want. You know, uh-huh. stuff being jabbed into your arm. And that to me is fascinating. So I'm wondering if it, it doesn't matter what you call it, a flu shot, a, a COVID shot, that it still has the same stuff in it. It still has the same bad stuff. It's like the universal, you know, drug uh, uh-huh. gene therapy. And so that, uh, they're, you know, they're trying to remake people into whatever this thing is. Uh, we need to explore more about this bioweapons thing, that this was a government program, the DARPA. I mean, I've looked into it a bit, but I haven't. But there's, there's more to this. There's a lot more to this. And this is a, this is quite fascinating that it is on a government model, a, a military model, of you know what do you talk about counter mm-hmm. counteractive agents and things like that. I have to listen to it because you know an interview like that, there's so much going on. And I'm concentrating on what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. so now yeah. I get, so that I can listen better, you know, when I hear it through. And anything you want to say to him, you know, he's going to get the podcast of the whole show. So I'll be sending that to. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we're well, still I'm going to be with so. him this weekend. We yeah, got a lot well, of doctors, a lot of a lot of important people are going to be with us and I got VIP yeah. tickets. So we're going to be front row and we're going to meet them all. And if my husband's cousin comes uh, in, we're not sure if he's going to be there. Mm-hmm. We're representing George magazine uh, yep. with Ann. Uh, so she, she has passes for George magazine. So I don't know if she got one for me or not. Uh, representing That's Ann Vandersteel. She's going to be there too with us. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's running the new so, uh, Zelenko Foundation. So I'm hoping is that I've sent her yes. a bill that Dr. Zelenko wrote with me. <laughs> you know, actually, I wrote with him. Yes. You know, he gave me all the information for it. But he told me where the problems were to reform the FDA. So we have a, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised they haven't picked it up more, that there is a Dr. Zelenko action it. radio bill. Yeah. You know, she's got it. Mm-hmm. You know, she's had it. We wrote it back in August yeah. of 2020. You know, it's been around for a while. I'm going to mention yes. it to her about it. And I'm going to try to give um, – Eric Trump, the uh, the vaccine bill that you wrote. I'm going to send that to him. That's the next step. So, we, you know, the fact that we, yeah. got, we basically got an endorsement from Dr. Peter McCullough that our vaccine product liability is, is, is you know, necessary. Uh, the, the, the big mm-hmm. tech bill, I don't, I just, you know, I don't think that's his area of expertise. So he didn't, he didn't come out as strongly for that. But, you know, obviously he supports the free access to information because that was one of the biggest problems with COVID. So now let's see what we can do. Let's see if we can get, uh, you know, take the next step and get the bigger audiences and get this into the public debate. More and more people start talking about mm-hmm. vaccine product liability and, and big tech, you know, ending big tech censorship. And, you know, with Congress, and I'll make this point, mm-hmm. and then uh, check if you want to join in too, feel free. Um, the the yeah. point that uh, Congress has said, well, we have to study this. We have to spend millions of dollars. We need uh, antitrust and we need, you know, new regulations. I said, no, you don't. You need four lines of law change. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You just change four lines. And, and big tech. And yeah, for now, and mm-hmm. for now, we don't have to. We don't have to study it. We need to stop this. That's yeah. the main thing. We need to stop this, and mm-hmm. then they can do the study. But we all know what's really going on. We're not stupid. They think we're stupid. They took us in at the beginning, but not anymore because a lot of nurses. Um, you know, it's amazing that a lot of black nurses did not take the vaccine and they bought the car. And a lot of teachers in the area, they took the first shot, but not the second, and they bought the car for the second one or fully for both shots. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing uh, the people. 
They said, why should I take something that they're doing an experiment? I said, perfect. You did the right thing. Some of the nurses are in the emergency room not far from me in the hospital. They did not take the shot. They said, I will not take an experimental shot. I don't even take the flu shot. And now what uh, that hospital across my store, they have somebody standing right there when they're given the flu shot. Because before, when they send you to get the flu shot, they know so and so and so and so. And mm-hmm. they just act like if they give you the shot, that's what the RN from the emergency room was telling me, which he's a friend of ours. And they just shoot in the air and act like if you get in the shot and they will not get in the flu shot. And he's never had a flu shot in 20 years or more, he said, like me. And right. uh, now what they're doing at this hospital by me is they make sure a person is watching you take the flu shot. It's sad. They've got a medical Gestapo agent? (laughs) This is ridiculous. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But you know, Greg, you know how... Some big Russian KGB person? You will take the shot. We said said you take the shot, so you take the shot. There's no choice here. What are you talking about? You take the shot. No take the shot. But you know, Greg, how they're... Nancy Reagan, just say no. Yeah, go ahead. Never. Now, you know how they're changing the uh, uh, Rendezvous they're still mm-hmm. giving it to you, but under a different name. And I believe. What's the new name? What's they're... the new name? I forgot. Uh... <laughs> you know I was gonna I'll, ask. I'll look it up. I'll look it up in a <laughs> okay. second. I'll look it up. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. My mind is it's too early. Greg, okay. No, I'm just kidding. I've been up yeah. too early waiting for your show to start. Um, so I believe probably what they're doing is they're doing it with a flu shot because a lot of people now are saying no to the to the vaccine, COVID vaccine. So mm-hmm. I believe now this is the thing, the flu shot. So Dr. Judy Mikovic said do not take the flu shot or, or any shot ever, mm-hmm. ever. So, and I well, it, so. I it, it makes sense from a psychological that. point of view that the flu shot's been out for, like you say, 20 years or, you know, or more. And so people are used to mm-hmm. it. You know, and there haven't been a huge amount of adverse effects. But what if they take all the bad stuff in the COVID jab, put it into the flu shot? You, you don't know that this year, every year they make a new flu shot. And they try and guess what the flu strain mm-hmm. might, might be and try and, you know, make an immune, you know, formula that people can build up an immunity to it. I have my own natural immune system. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to tell, tell Peter McCullough this. But, you know, I was a tour guide for eight years in San Francisco. I met everybody. Mm-hmm from every country in, in the known world, pretty much. I mean, Antarctica, I think, was the only one, only place where it didn't, you know, didn't uh, somebody. But, uh, you know, okay. I've met people from all over the world. You know, I've got, I've got a, a, an amazing immune system. So when COVID came around, yeah, I was out for a couple of days. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, came back up, I never think, got it again. I think it was you fine. were the first one that got COVID and didn't even know it, you know, correct? Yeah. You were very yeah. sick. Yeah, I remember those shows. Yeah. I, was, I was begging for co-hosts. Yeah. Please host my show. <laughs> you know, but I was still working for a time. <laughs> You know, so yeah. looking for, but as soon as I took two yeah. days off, I took two days of rest. That was fine. Came back. Oh, my voice came back. My arrogance came back. My sarcasm came back. Yeah. I never did lose my taste and yeah. smell. But yeah, I was one of the first. No. Well, everybody was around here. We all got it. Uh, Christmas of uh, 2019. Yeah. That's when it all it all hit us. Well, Bianchi? I believe. All right, go ahead, Jesse. Go ahead, Bianchi. All right, Bianchi. Bianchi, go ahead. Go ahead, Bianchi. Well, COVID, COVID is nothing but a big scam. But mm-hmm. you know the thing that I don't understand is how in the heck does the federal government relieve a manufacturer of product liability, whereas that product can kill people? Well, that's money. what I don't. Understand. <laughs> big big farmer bought it. They bought it from uh, from Congress in 1988. 
It's during the Reagan administration. So Reagan, you know, was was pro business in the wrong way in this case. I mean, I don't mean I'm pro business. I'm just not I'm just not pro stupidity. Uh, you know, if 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 your local, you know, uh, car mechanic and donut shop has product liability, why would you exempt Pfizer? I mean, that a multi billion dollar international, you know, uh, corporation. Why would you exempt them and put liability on, on uh, your local restaurant? <laughs> that makes no sense. You know, but they got it because they bought it. They literally bought it from Congress and they bought it from the Reagan administration. And it says in law, this is the only industry I know that has no liability. Well, let's think about the airlines for a minute because, you know, this is why I asked that question about the airlines. Should these pilots be screened for, you know, blood clots and things like that and myocarditis? They should. Yeah, they should be screened. You know, but but the airlines have liability. You know, Big Pharma doesn't have liability for for, uh, the jab, but the airlines do. If we lose an airliner, God forbid, don't happen. Don't please. We don't want it to happen. But if it does happen and it turns out that both pilots were were COVID jabbed, you know, they both became incapacitated. This is why I said anybody with flight experience should make it known to the to the the, the cabin crew. By the way, I'm a pilot. Just I was in watching. Case. <laughs> you know, I was yeah, watching a video. I was watching a video of the American Airlines uh, pilot. He mm-hmm. collapsed, a heart attack, and died. And they were recording the whole thing, and you know, reporting uh, for the co-pilot this? to take over. Oh yeah, but, well, uh, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, it's hot. Yeah. It's well, the Pentagon is considering giving back pay to those soldiers that wouldn't take it, and they was, I guess you could say, fired. I told people. Mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine point this out. I said, I told people, I said, look, all those folks that are worried, and Jesse, you pointed this out too, all those folks that are worried about their jobs, your job is going to come back. They still need you. And if it's a government job, they're going to do just like when the government you know, allegedly shuts down. Everybody gets back pay. They don't lose any money. So the same thing, the military people, they're not going to lose. They're going to come back. They're going to get their jobs back. They may want to retire. You know, because who, you know, but, uh, but yeah, all that stuff's coming back. So the people that said, that thought they had to take the jab to keep their job and, and, and keep their pay coming in. No, this is, I, we knew this was going to come around. It took, took a while, it took a couple of years, but yeah. We were told last year that all the military that were let go or walk out of their job, that mm-hmm. uh, they were going to, Donald Trump was going to make sure, which he's running the show, we know it now. Um, mm-hmm. We they said that he they were gonna get back pay uh, check, you know, and 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 they were gonna get their jobs. I I was telling a lot of military last year, don't worry, walk out. I still have a friend in Jap- No, he's now in England actually. He was in Japan. Uh, he's from Algeria, from my church, and I he came so close to getting the shots, and I begged him not to back and forth, back and forth, sending as many videos as possible, uh, whistleblower military and all that, and he never got the vaccine. And and then they threatened him that if he didn't get the vaccine, he cannot come home. So from Japan, uh, he went to England. So he's waiting to return home now. I don't know how soon. But he didn't get the job. And you should see some of the messages to me thanking me so much because now that he's seeing all this video and all these people dropping dead and everything, mm-hmm. uh, we save his life. Praise the Lord for that, you know, that he well, listened if, because uh, many people did not listen. 
Mm-hmm. But you know what? If you have a certain amount of comment, if you think for yourself, and I think this is one of our biggest problems now, is that the education system breeds it out. Uh, you know, families aren't encouraging this. Like, I encourage my daughter to think for herself. I say, look, you want to challenge me on something? Feel free, unless it was, you know, like, you know, dad's orders, you know, for, for safety. But other than that, you know, anything that we talk about, any, any political belief, anything, she was welcome to challenge me and did and became a great debater. But they don't, people don't encourage their kids to debate, to think, to, to, uh, to look at something and, and question it. You know, the old, you know, the old hippie question authority. You know, I've got to find another one of those bumper stickers and put it on my car. But you have to question authority. You have to question when someone says that the only way to deal with this problem is an experimental vaccine that's never been tried, that we don't know what's in it, that there's no liability mm-hmm. for the producer. That just doesn't make sense. That's insane. No, Why would anybody do that? Why? Why would Unless you want to say something like that? Yeah. I, exactly. You know. And what's wrong with treatment? You know, it's like if I, I don't worry about getting the flu, and if I do get the flu, I'm going to get treatment. Hey, Chicken Greg, soup. I had a lady, I had a <laughs> uh-huh. lady walking in, in my store uh, yesterday morning fully masked, and I said, ma'am, we don't, <laughs> you don't have to have a mask in my store if you don't like to. Oh, no, I have to protect myself. and. And I started talking a little bit about it, and she was a little bit open, and she still had her mask on. And yeah. I said, I just tell her it doesn't work. So you can... <laughs> yeah, Did, I told, you told her, her mask yeah. didn't work? Yeah. But anyway, yeah. what did she say? She went to the... She, she, yeah, I did. She went to the car and came back, and she said, is there any way you can share those videos with me? And she came without the mask. Proud of you. You got that mask off. And Good. before that, I had a mom, the son... And the daughter, double mask on. Double mask. I was like, oh, it's double mask. Oh, yeah. And uh, the young man, he was very overweight. He was going to go to school of uh, being a chef. He, I could hear the breathing. He couldn't hardly breathe. And I said, uh, you guys are still wearing that mask? And they go, yeah, we have to protect ourselves from anybody with COVID. I said, uh, but COVID is gone a long time ago. And uh, you're hurting your lungs with that mask. Oh, no, we've been wearing that for a long time, and we're used to it, and we like it, and we want to protect ourselves. And uh, they refused to take the mask off, and I just felt bad for the young girl and the, uh, it looked like 24-year-old young man, but very overweight, and uh, I could hear his breathing. It's not good at all. Not good. In, uh, well, the mask has probably fear. infected him. Uh, you know, those masks. Remember when they, mm-hmm. that town hall article when they tested it, a bunch of parents took their, their kids' mask after eight hours of wearing it, and they sent it to labs, and it came back with pneumonia, well, you know, all bacteria yeah. germs, all that. It was it was like a petri dish because <laughs> yeah. you have warm moist air, breathe on, yeah. on a cotton surface all day. Uh, it's a breeding ground for every bacteria you can think of. Oh yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But again, common sense. Why would you put a piece of cloth over your kid's face eight hours a day? That doesn't make sense. None of this made any sense. And yet people were doing it. Either they you were know, scared to death or they were conforming, you know, to whatever, for whatever reason. Go ahead, Bianchi. What do you think? You really wanted to scare people. Show them a video of those mites, M-I-T-E-S, that's on the skin that you can't see. <laughs> oh, yeah. Unless you've got a microscope. Yeah. And they bore down into your hair follicles, lay eggs, and then it's on. Yeah, you wonder why you're scratching your head? Because <laughs> there's bugs up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's why your hair stopped growing some places because of them. Huh. And if you kill them off, your hair start back growing again. But, you know, here's wow. the thing. I'm People must be free should understand that <laughs> get a full head viruses of can enter into your body through many ways. Yep. 
your mm-hmm. ears, your eyes, your nose, and of course through your mouth. My grandson was supposed to take a swab, and I gave him, uh, I told him to take a Q-tip, spray Lysol on it, and clean out your nose. And he done it, and uh, he, everything came back negative. Well, that's what Dr. McCullough oh. said. He talked about this being a nasal infection. It's an aerosol. And one thing that I didn't get to bring up that I got from his video was that he made a big point you know, we specified before the Senate that there's no such thing as asymptomatic transfer. In other words, you know, this is one of the big lies of COVID is that you can get COVID from somebody that doesn't have COVID or doesn't have any symptoms of COVID. And that's such a nonsense. And we said it back then, two years ago, and I'll say it again today, that COVID comes from an aerosol infection, as Dr. McCullough said, from somebody that has COVID with symptoms, you know, coughing, sneezing, you know, obvious respiratory illness symptoms to somebody who's susceptible. He also said that 94% of America's already had COVID. Well, if 94% of the countries are, that means 94% of the country's already immune to it. So why are you pushing a stupid jab for something that we're already immune to? That's just bad medicine. So it's fascinating what came out of that first all hour. It was, it was all planned and well-organized years ago, Greg. Oh, I know that. Well, see, see, now here are the questions I didn't get to ask. I didn't get to ask him if he thought that the, the, the vaccine came before the virus, which is my contention. I think they engineered the virus to the vaccine. I think the, the, the vaccine was out back in 2020, 12, 13, 15, something like that. And then they brought out COVID in 2020, SARS-2, you know, version two, the update, you know, the upgrade, <laughs> you know, the, the enhanced version. Uh, so I think that's how we're, I didn't get to ask him about that. Uh, there's some other things. That well, I, I didn't get to ask him about the, the, the oh, go ahead, comment on that, and then I'll get another one. Like I said before, what came first, the chicken or the egg, you know? Of course, the chicken, not the egg. And mm-hmm. uh, the vaccine came first, and then the virus. They they well organized the whole thing to panic people, to put mm-hmm. people in so much fear of their life. I remember getting videos that, they say, oh, if you touch doorknobs, if you, it's in the air, and stay inside. And uh, one of my girlfriends no, he, he, freaking out. He disproved that. He says in his video, go to his website. Uh, I've got it right here. Hang on. Hmm. Let me pull it up right here. Uh, Peter McCullough dot whatever. <laughs> What's that? I said, send it to me. <laughs> I never have time to go. I'm always yeah. running. But, Peter um, McCullough, MD.com. Yeah. Here it is. Peter, Peter McCullough, MD.com. Go to his website and or listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's why I always make sure to get contact information from these folks. But yeah, but you know, and, and the, the asymptomatic transfer, we didn't get a really chance to ask him about. I didn't get to ask him about the 2007 pandemic guidelines with the pandemic severity index. I'm the only one I think has ever talked mm-hmm. about that where they changed the guidelines in 2017, three months. After, so everybody knows that the doctor fascist, <laughs> I got that into. I don't know if you heard that, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we got we got the full yeah, definition. Yeah, I did. Of Dr. I, did. I was laughing that. with my husband. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were. Yeah, well, I, I had to make sure I that. Anyway, it. well, it's, it's you know, for those that don't know, that's Dr. Fascist. In fact, you should practice this. You know, the genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine <laughs> drug pusher. That takes practice, folks. You just can't do that. You know, it's like uh, Pianki's Picture Perfect Face Saving Cream. That's, that one. That one took practice there you too. Go. <laughs> anyway. Um, Hey, Greg, we're going to be, we're going to have a huge team of doctors uh, with us at the event this weekend. Well, tell me about the event. Tell me what's going there. I'm curious about this Tennessee thing, since I'm not going. Everybody, it's it's at a big, big church, uh, but I think they sold so many tickets that they're going to have a huge tent outside. Mm, Like a revival. Uh, We're going to freeze, we're probably going to freeze to death because it's going to be 
So I don't know if he's going to be one day 30 and the other day 50. Yeah. Outside, not good. Uh, we're going to forget about the cold when we see all the famous people. Um, I can hardly wait to see Dr. Marble from Golf Breeze with a microphone on his hand. He's going to be with us uh, on fire. We should... <laughs> We should talk about Ben Marble. Ben Marble's a friend of mine, but he he was on the our world's greatest doctors panel, but he 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 went a little crazy. <laughs> he said a few things that I really no, couldn't. No, but but, yeah. I, but I agree with him. No, no, no. We need to we need to we need to arrest, put him in prison. A lot of these people are probably going to be, and I hate to say this as a Christian woman, a lot of these people are probably going to be hanged by by the public. Yeah, see, that's the part I didn't want to go. That's that's the, yeah, that's the level I didn't want to talk about. Yeah. Now, if we have, okay, wait a minute, if we have due process executions, if it, if there's a death penalty for what they did, that's different. But uh, he was advocating a little stronger than that. It's like, no. No, you can't, That's we, not we can't good do that. enough, Greg, for all the millions well, do of people you want, dying because of them. Do you want vengeance? You know, here's here's the question you always have to ask yourself. Yeah, it feels good to uh, you know to take the life of someone you think's done horrible evil in the world. Uh, and you know, and I'm I'm thinking if there's a death penalty for it, yeah, but I'm a big due process guy, a big constitutional rights guy, and we do, we we have constitutional uh, rights not to protect. Gringo. You think different. Pro- yeah, not, but I don't yeah. do it to protect the Holocaust, you know, causers. I do it to protect the honest mm-hmm. people from being executed, you know, unjustly or, or you know, you know, the, you don't you don't do this for innocent people. That's why we have these protections. So I'm not going to go there on the show. You know, he went a little far. That's okay. Um, but I have amazed. But anyway, just, just, so, just to clarify, so I have amazing respect for for Ben Marble. Have yeah, the I do. For 15 yeah. minutes mm-hmm. and. Uh, 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 pending, uh, so many doctors will have it for half an hour. Eric mm-hmm. Trump is half an hour. So a lot of people, they have too many. I think they have too many people. A lot of people are only getting 15 well, minutes to be up front. Well, let me ask you this. How um, many of them have an action plan? Like, you know, maybe not like we do, because I think we have the best action plan. The two bills, vaccine product liability and any big tech censorship, I think are the two things that would change this entire debate overnight once they get out in the public. But does anybody else have an action? I know. What are, what are they talking about? Are they, are, are they asking people to do anything in terms of fighting back? Uh, that I know of, only you are trying to see, get some action done through action. See, that's the problem. Radio. It's, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be just me or you or Pinky or Diane who's going to be on a little bit or any of our reporters. It shouldn't be just – or Wendy. You know, it shouldn't be just us. It should not there's, – there's, there's no reason for this. You know, fortunately, now that I'm, uh, you know, in touch with uh, Dr. McCullough, you know, we're going to start exchanging information and doing some stuff. So this is, this is fabulous. Mm-hmm. This is a huge development yeah. for us. Uh, and even if he's not a, a you know the, the 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 biggest proponent of uh, uh, of a legislation, what he does promote, what he you know he knows of heart medicine and and viruses and things like that. You know he does what he does best. We do what we do best, and let's work together. You know, so he doesn't have to know everything about um, the legislation, as, as I don't have to know everything that he knows about hearts. I, I never will. You know, I mean, he's in a different league. Um, but but mm-hmm. that's how we can work together well, I- from our different specialties. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. What I would like to see is all these doctors, that they all have a show, they all come on, and I love mm-hmm. a lot of them. I yeah. want them to go to D.C., get on the steps of the Capitol or the courthouse mm-hmm. or wherever they want to stand, and yeah. they need to stop this killing. And nobody's doing that. And I, I'm tired of seeing all these reports, and they know everything. They know exactly what's happening uh, because yeah. they've been censored. Videos taken down the first time the 
uh, online, Dr. Simone. Dr. Simone Gold is going to be with us, too, actually. Uh, well, I she's, to talk to her. she's an attorney. You need to talk to her because she's an attorney. Mm-hmm. She'd understand these bills perfectly. So if we can get her on the show mm-hmm. or just talk to her in she person. She might be the perfect one for me to give her the bill. Uh, yeah, I would, I would think. Eric, yeah. You know? Because, well, no, you mm-hmm. want to give him to, no, here's why you want to give him to Eric Trump. Because I want to connect us to the Trump campaign. And I want to have them, mm-hmm. you know, look at and consider for their campaign our citizen legislation. If Trump campaigns on vaccine product liability, okay, that's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. You know, and Congress yeah. is going to feel enormous pressure, you know, to do something about it. And they're going to do it with our bill. Mm-hmm. If, if, if Trump, so you have to talk to Eric Trump, and you have to talk. You have to talk to everybody. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm selfish, but I want to talk to Tucker Carlson and Joe Rogan, and I mean that uh, Dr. McCullough can can you know at least introduce me to them because they're much more in the realm of legislation and action. And so mm-hmm. and, and I, they I tell never, their audience. I never watched that show. I don't okay. You know, so even if they just tell their folks, you know, here's the bill, here's the bill, you know, link, send it to the other media, send it to Congress. I mean, it couldn't be more simple. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, I, yeah. just, I, I went over no, both bills last night, made a couple little you know changes, a couple little tinkering things. Oh, and listen, I, I love what you do. You know, you do what you do best. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. But Eric Trump is critical. Dr. Simone Gold is critical. Um, Dr. Peter McCullough, now that you know him, <laughs> now that you're buds. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, all I'll these get people. to see him over there. Yeah. And I'll get to see Mike Flynn, and I'm going to ask you about He's critical coming too. on the show. He would love what yeah. we do. See, so, that's the we'll other thing, see too. We'll, the we'll people that really it. love what, you know, the people that really love what we do would be like the Michael Jenelson, uh the Rogans, the, the Tucker Carlson, those kind of folks would, would just – and look at Tucker Carlson. He could report on this for months. I mean, he, you know, he get different guests. He could ask all his guests, what do you think about this? You know, bring on the pollsters. What do you think about vaccine product liability? Well, we can't do it in Congress. expensive. Well, I got this bill here that does it in, you know, mm-hmm. four lines. <laughs> you know, but why, why can't you do this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is where it gets fun. This is, this is my vision, right? This is where I see this happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I agree. But okay. um, it's uh, that's that's what I want to see. I want it, I want some action. I want I, I want people to uh, mm-hmm. to to be able to get all the information. What's in the vaccines? Because when they open the paperwork that comes in the little box of the vaccines, it's blank. Mm-hmm. Nothing yeah. is inside, no information, no nothing. And, you know, you cannot go to the pharmacy because they give you a long, uh, I don't know how many pages sometimes for one stinking little medicine. Yep. All the, the side effects and everything that that product has in the vaccine is like a mystery because they well organized the whole thing. And uh, they're still investigating that they believe it came from Ukraine because it's more central, you know, so I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Well, he says it's worldwide. This is a worldwide military operation. I think that's fascinating. Um, Let me go back to the bill for a second. And this is I want to put this on the podcast Mm -hmm. because I'll be sending this to uh, Dr. McCullough after the show, uh, after I put the show notes in. But there's another thing that that, that I talked about in here. Uh, This is provision in current law, which remember you you saw the if you watch the hearings with Senator Johnson uh, and and Dr. McCullough was there, much everybody else. But there's a woman there and I forgot who she was, Mm -hmm. but she pulled up one of the inserts and was blank. Right. And so, mm-hmm. so here's one of the things. So if we go back to our favorite law, 42 U.S. Code Section 300 AA-22 Standards of Responsibility, Part B2, says for the purposes of Paragraph 1, a vaccine shall be presumed to be, in, to be accompanied by proper directions and warnings. Well, when in law is something presumed? 
That doesn't mean you have to do it. It just means they're presuming. That's 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 bogus, right? So so, so, mm-hmm. the, so paragraph mm-hmm. one is no vaccine manufacturer shall be liable in civil action for damages. Yada yada yada. Okay. So the so the first provision says that they're not liable, and the second provision says well they're gonna it shall be presumed that there's an insert that'll tell you the the dangers, but it doesn't mean they have to do it. You know, it, it's it's like if you said to a car manufacturer, we're gonna presume that seatbelts are in the car. Does that mean they have to do it? No. Because, mm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so let's get to my law, which, which covers that, which instead of saying shall be presumed, it says, you know, B2, for the purposes of paragraph one, a vaccine shall be accompanied by proper directions and warnings yes. known, shall, you have to write, known as an insert, which shall be provided in hard copy to every person before the administration of any vaccine, mRNA genetic modification shot, or any medical product designed to boost the immune system against a particular virus, bacteria, germ, or other disease in, in sufficient time beforehand to allow for the slow and careful reading of the entire insert. Before receiving any vaccine or other medical product, as mentioned in this paragraph, shall sign a permission slip where they and the medical provider of the vaccine retain a copy that they have read and understood all the warnings and disclaimers in the insert and then consent to the vaccine procedure. That's how I handle inserts. Mm. You like that language? Mm. That's in the bill. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the section awesome. above that, vaccine manufacturers shall be fully liable in any civil action for damages arising from a vaccine or vaccine-related side effect or other compensational event resulting from or a defect of their participation in the manufacturer testing, evaluation, certification, authorization, approval, distribution, administration, use, storage, transportation, or other responsibility of the manufacturer relating to their vaccines. Mm. Pretty inclusive, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, they so that's should the be liable, but see, but the, mm-hmm. plan, the plan was not to be approved by the FDA so they don't get sued. See, they, they had it all well organized, the whole thing. Yeah, well, we're pretty organized. Well organized. Yeah. Well, that's why yeah, I said the guidelines so. were changed. The pandemic guidelines were changed. Everything was changed. There's two more parts mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to McCullough about that I want to sort of put on the podcast here, too, that are in our, our, our vaccine bill. Uh, there's two preemption clauses. Okay, uh, and that to no federal agency, department, or court may establish or enforce any law, regulation, declaration, including emergencies, mandates, or policy, which prohibits, restricts, discourages, threatens, burdens, or creates a chilling effect upon an individual from bringing a civil action against a vaccine manufacturer. So in other words, the federal government is prevented from making it more difficult for you to bring a lawsuit because they're going to do that, right? They'll pass regulations. Well, you can't bring mm-hmm. a lawsuit unless you have the standing, all this other crap. So I have a preemption clause in the federal and I also have a preemption clause for the states. Now, whether the states are going to enforce that, we'll see. But it says no state mm-hmm. may establish or enforce a law regulation declaration, including emergencies, mandate, or policy, which prohibits an individual from bringing a civil action against a vaccine manufacturer for damages. So I've got a couple of preemption clauses in there, too. I'm pretty thorough about this stuff. So that's the bill. And it's endorsed by Vladimir Zelenko, Judy Mikovits, Jerome Bell, Deborah Viglione, Brian Artis, and that's it so far. Guess who's on the show show tomorrow of that group? Judy? No, Jerome Bell. Freshman's run for Congress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on tomorrow. And Robert Spencer of Jihad Watch is on Friday. I get a busy week. And I get another guest Monday. Good. We're happening. Yeah. Uh, We're going to be with Judy Mickey, and she's going to be there too with us. So I Mm -hmm. finally get to meet her because the few times that I tried, she either canceled or just on the screen. And that's why I asked him, are you going to be live? You know, Dr. Peter. 
Um, yeah, I know that. He life. said he was going to be there. I think he was like, why is she asking me again? It was, it was pretty funny, actually. Well, say hi to Judy for me because I haven't met her yet. No, being you there know. means that he could be on the screen. You know how they put it on the big oh, I know, TV I know. screen? Well, he, he was on the screen mm-hmm. at our Pensacola rally. You know, I know that, too. But anyway, so say hi yeah. to Judy for me. And so, Now, there's only two people that are presenting our, our information. Well, this is something you might want to tell uh, 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 first names as well here. So tell Peter McCullough if you, if you get a chance. Or Judy will tell. I'll, I'll, I'll ask Judy to talk to him. Because Judy actually has a PowerPoint presenting our bills, and hopefully she'll make yeah. that presentation, you know, in this Tennessee con- uh, convention or event or gap. Uh, the other one is Brian Artis, who also talks to a bunch of people. Now I gotta—I haven't talked to him for a while. I gotta get back with him and see who he's talked to and, and what uh, what the results are. But if we can get hey, Peter what? McCullough joining the, those two, yeah. you know, Judy, Peter, and mm-hmm. Brian start talking about vaccine product liability legislation. Yeah. Then we got three sources, and then we get another source, and then we get another source. And then it starts building. Well, then we get what to was bigger the name reports. Of that doctor that he, he was sharing the uh, the uh, bills. That one of the doctor was it Doctor Tom uh, Thorpe or no? Well, Jim Thorpe has Jim the bills. Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe has the bills. Yeah, but he's got them. He's somebody uh, was sharing them in different places. I don't know if it was him or the other doctor. I cannot think only, of the other guy's name. Yeah, the only two I know of are Brian Artis and Judy Mikovits are the only two folks actively sharing our legislation right now. Hmm. But um, he mentioned some of the doctors. Yeah. I got a bunch of notes. I got like mm-hmm. two pages of notes from 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 our chat here. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Okay, you got more stuff? Anything on Ukraine? No, Anything I'm on done Central America? Anything on Brazil? Um, no, I haven't watched the news. I've been very busy, and we're leaving tomorrow night. As soon as we shut door, we're getting out. But of course, I have help. The store is open, uh, but. We are the information center in our business. So, like, one of the hospitals cut me off because I was trying to rescue this young, beautiful girl not mm-hmm. to take the vaccine, and she went right. to HR and complained that I was harassing her, so they cut the payroll. They don't want no one from the hospital to shop in my store. So I had one lady yesterday, she said, you know, I'm new there, and it's odd that they didn't put your name on the store. And I told her the situation because I don't care to tell it like yep. it is. Yep. And she was like, what? And yeah. she just couldn't believe it because, you know, the payroll is their money that they're spending. It's not the hospital paying for their uniform. And uh, so when all the truth and everything comes out, I'm going to write in my letter, says, so can I have my account back because I was right about the vaccine? You know, mm-hmm. of yeah. course, they're probably not going to admit it. Yeah. So, but but I told well, you the, can uh, actually. HR, what would that come under? Restraint of trade or slander or libel? In other words, they're lying about you. You can I don't actually know, sue but them for. That's sad. You know, yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. Interesting. So I've been telling a lot of the workers so they work and get around. And there's a lot of faithful customers from that hospital that they're still shopping my store without the payroll, you know, because they want to shop in my store. And, well, uh, let's get your store. Let's the, get your store out there. Let's get to the you know, the name of your store and where people can find you. So you might as well. You should do this every time you're on. Name your store so people Ruth can find U- it. Is it Ruth, Ruth Uniform Shops on Olive Road, not far from uh, Olive Baptist Church, my church, and across from Dirt Cheap. Come and visit us, and you can get some information about Action Radio. And I share it with people, and I give them the site. Uh, so you can find us there, and I'm I'm every Tuesday at eight now with Greg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I don't have any yesterday. Ready, Greg. 
Okay. So I have to go earn my living, <laughs> like Bill says. <laughs> well, listen, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to try welcome. and get Brianna for tomorrow. We'll get her report tomorrow. And tomorrow we have Jerome Bell, who is one of two people that ran for Congress on citizen-written mm-hmm. legislation, yeah. the other being uh, Calvin Wimdish. Uh, it's interesting. They're, they're both uh, veterans, uh, uh, both conservative Good. black men. They've got a lot in common. They're both you know, heroes of mine. They both served our country incredibly well, and they both ran for Congress, and they both got completely trounced by the, uh, uh, the, the rhinos by not giving them any money to run, and so they both lost. Yep. You know, it's, it's an interesting mm-hmm. story. I'm trying to get Calvin and, uh, and uh, Jerome together, but Jerome's going to be on with us tomorrow, and then Robert Spencer from Jihad mm-hmm. Watch is going to be on Friday. So it's a busy, busy week. <laughs> you know, so I get to forget today's show and then right. get ready for tomorrow's, then I'll forget tomorrow's and get ready for Friday. So thanks, Jesse. See you soon. Sounds good. God bless you. God bless you, Bianchi. Ciao. Thank you for all the videos you send me. All right. Bye. Bye now. So let's uh, let's get Bianchi here. Then I'm going to take a little break, and then we'll get uh, Diane's going to call us back. Uh, and um, we'll, we'll get our election integrity and anything she wanted to say about uh, my interview with Dr. Peter McCullough this morning. Pianchi, any thoughts on anything we've talked about today? Well, it sounds like you got a plan. Oh, I've always had a plan. It sounds- <laughs> Whether I can implement it or not, but I, I always have a plan. There's, there's nothing that, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a logic to, it may not seem so if you see the pieces, but there, there is a logic to, to where the show goes and why I do what I do. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I have a definite plan. You know, the, the bigger the public figures, the more people we can involve in, the more shows, the more journalists, the more uh, uh, activists, uh, you know, the, the better. The more this gets in the public debate, the more we'll see if it's going to work or not. I think it will, but it's going to require enough people to defeat the money coming out of the special interests. And that's going to be tough to do because they're already organized. They've already got their lawyers. They're all set to go. You know, they've got their lobbyists buying stuff, you know, and uh, it's crazy. Oh, I had a funny thought this morning. (laughs) I was just thinking of this. You know, if if I were a lobbyist, you know, with a sense of humor, I'd put some ridiculous clause in one of these law, in one of these bills, just to see if Congress is actually reading anything or not. And I was thinking this morning, if you had, uh, I don't know, purple polka dot underwear, you know, said so if you were, if you had a closet that said Congress is required to to wear purple polka dot underwear uh, in Congress, <laughs> you know, I just put that in a bill somewhere, right? And say, and it has to be worn on the outside so we can check, you know, just to see if anybody read the bill and if anybody noticed it. And then afterwards, when they passed the bill because they didn't read it. I say, what about the uh, purple polka dot underwear clause? Do you realize that you uh, passed a bill that you have to wear this, you know, on the floor of the House <laughs> in the Senate? <laughs> I don't know why. That just, that just amused me this morning. Obviously not you. Bianchi, it's just us here. No, that would be, that would be comical to see how they, how they go yeah. over. Well, I mean, it proves that they don't read anything, and, th- and that's the whole point. You know, in fact, it, it's worse than they don't write anything. It's bad enough that they don't write their own bills. It's even worse that they don't even read their bills. They just vote on stuff. They do what the party tells them to do. It's really crazy. Uh, any, any revelations well, you from – Well, you know, you got uh, at least yeah, 30 Congress members that wasn't even born in the country. So, And they come from every place, even from, uh, like, Somali. So, well, I don't mind uh, if somebody's in Congress born outside the country. I was born outside the country. You know, being born outside the country is not the issue to me. The issue is whether you're, you know, you're, you're a loyal, patriotic American who believes in our founding principles of individuality, uh, individual rights, a limited government, a republic, and a constitution. And I don't care where you come from. As long as you have those common beliefs, we're good. At least I'm good. I'm good with that. 
But if you have something like Ilhan yeah, Omar, well, a lot of them uh, don't have. Well, see, that's the problem. Some of them you can recognize. Some of them you can recognize don't have those leaves, but the, it is mm-hmm. what it is. Well, it's interesting that uh, certain people, like Ilhan Omar, is the, is the prime example of someone who probably violated immigration law, who not only should not be in Congress, she should be deported or at least jailed for whatever crime she committed. See, that's a different story. Okay, so so they're immigrants and immigrants. You know, it's just like saying you, you can't lump people of, of of one race together because you know you, you can't lump Idi Amin Dada, you know, with Martin Luther King, even though they're both black. You, you can't say that there's a common thread between them. You can't say there's a common thread between Mother Teresa and Adolf Hitler, even though they're both white. You know, so you can't say that immigrants are bad simply because you know, they're from another country, uh, because they're immigrants and immigrants, <laughs> legal and illegal. It's such a such a different world. This is why I hate groupthink. You know, grouping people into groups never works because there's so many differences within that group. You know, it's just it's it, I don't have anything in common with Jeffrey Dahmer, for example, or Ted Bundy. You know, serial killers. You know, we're both men. You know, so does that mean we have something in common? No. Different world. Well, at least the although I do let's, let me get your comment on this though the 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 idea that the president has to be natural born. I absolutely agree with that. Not so much because other members of Congress can outvote. But if you, I would never want to have somebody in the presidency, like Obama, you know, who was born outside the country. Because when you're born outside the country, there's a different allegiance. As much as I am pro-American, you know, I still have my Canadian and my Australian background. That's always going to be there. Anyways, that's a strength. But I don't think that's a good thing if I were president. You want someone 100% American in the presidency. So I absolutely believe in that clause. What do you think? Well, blood is thicker than water. Well, that sounds good. Yeah, and patriotism is, is thicker than treason. <laughs> I just made that up. All right, let me take a break, then we'll get to Diane. She's on the line. And so let's uh, note the time now. And uh, let's get her talk. I'm really curious to see what she thinks of the whole thing. Okay, what have I played here? Got a couple things to play for you guys, and I'll be right back. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow, and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates: WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My Pillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. 
Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strike Force is at StrikeForceEnergy.com. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. And we are back, 857 here, our final hour uh, today on Action Radio. And I was just, <laughs> Dr. McCullough is already in touch with me. He's tweeting out our, our bills already, <laughs> just to let you know. He's not wasting any time at all. He says, send me more stuff. I'm like, sir, I'm on the air. <laughs> I've still got an hour's worth of show to do. So, you know, it's just, this is, we did a good thing this morning, folks. Let's uh, bring in uh, Diane Warner. Uh, who is our election integrity, medical freedom, and anything else we feel like reporting, reporter. And uh, your turn. What did you think? This, this, this is a very important oh, wow. day. Oh, wow, that's so exciting. He's already, that? he's already sharing he's already the tweeting. Bill. I love that yeah. he's already sharing the bill. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I was impressed. Take his tweets. Yeah, go to Peter McCullough yeah. you know, on, on Twitter, at Peter McCullough, I, I think, or at Director McCullough. Yeah, so I just looked at it quickly. I, yeah, go ahead. I, I've been following him for years. Uh, for, <laughs> years probably mm-hmm. and when I first heard him speak I knew he was telling the truth and I I have seen him at both times at Wahoo Stadium and uh, that I, I love I I don't know just stunned by how bold he is to come out and talk about you know our defense department that is actively the, the, the one word that I didn't hear in all this was genocide I was kind of waiting for that one to come out. Well, I said um, medical holocaust. <laughs> you know, we we sort of came near it. Yeah. You know, and I talked about Dr. Yeah, Fascist is the genocidal, yeah. psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher. In case you missed it the first time. Yeah. 
I did not. <laughs> but the one thing that I wanted, and I was, I was uh, hoping that I could actually get to talk to him, but I know he had had run and run out of time. But if she yeah. gets to talk to him in in Nashville, the the one thing that I probably want to push through all of this is that mm-hmm. if someone has told you that this vaccine was safe, mm-hmm. you never need to listen to their advice again, ever. And I mean, it's so simple That's a good point. because they said it's safe. When they when they said it's safe, they have no long term data. You cannot say anything is safe unless you have long term data. And as a registered nurse of forty two years, this is just something that's just drilled into us, you know, from mm-hmm. the very beginning, from nursing school. And you know, we've never practiced on on pregnant women and children ever. If if you're going to go take an experimental drug, we tell you it's an experimental drug. And we're not going to vote 15 to 0 from the CDC to give an experimental shot to children that's never been even tested on a human before. So, you know, I, I get very, very uh, excitable when I talk about this because I, oh, you know, we took an oath to do no harm. You can get excitable. We took an oath to do no harm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I just see so many people harming and there's the CDC, the AMA, that all of these agencies, if they've ever said that this shot, this bioweapon was safe, you need to never listen to anything else that they say, ever. Mm-hmm. And until we clean house it, and that's where Action Radio was so important. We've got to, obviously nobody's taking these people out of practice. So what we have to do is we've got to change the laws. It seems like this is the only way that we can do it. And so I'm thrilled that he can share our news and, and my bill, I'm coming up with my bill to, you know, mm-hmm. for election integrity. If yep. we can't, if we don't have, if we have a selection instead of an election, we're just going to continue on with the same. So, and until we get rid of our, our election fraud, election treason is a better way to describe it. Mm-hmm. But until we get rid of that, we will never have, it's just, we're going to continue with the same. It's going to keep getting worse and worse until we're China. So, yeah, and um, this is the yeah. this is the thing I never anticipated. You know, of course, you never know what happens. I, mean, I started this back in 2014 with my first articles and ideas about you know combining a citizen legislature with a with a radio program. I never, in my wildest dreams, believed that a presidential election would be stolen. That we would that there was such a thing as the deep state. I knew there was big government, but that it was so corrupt that you have a you know a Marxist Democrat party and a gelding surrendering Republican party, uh, and that they're perfectly content with having the election stolen, and they don't care. As long as they get what they want, as long as they can maintain the power, a, you know. No, I who think we've had selections. We've had selections since Kennedy, I do believe. Probably, so, yeah, and that makes and sense. I think, um, I, go ahead. Trump, well, Trump is the only one that actually broke through. I think because Hillary didn't give enough money, <laughs> he didn't pay mm-hmm. him enough to give her. Well, this vote. is this is the question: How did Trump get? How did Ronald Reagan get in? Because obviously the the deep state didn't want him in. So the two aberrations in the last, you know. 50, 60 years have been Reagan and Trump. Everybody else has been I'm an establishment sure. politician. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't. I don't trust Reagan either. No, I've he was not. My, you know, I was not a big Reagan fan uh, for the simple reason that he talked a good game, but he didn't actually follow through. If you look at the budgets that he signed, he was the one that signed uh, vaccine liability uh, <laughs> immunity. It was Ronald Reagan? Yep. You know, so yeah, I, I, don't, I don't trust that Reagan was stupid. Well, they put an actor in. You know, you look at. Zelensky, they put actors in. <laughs> yeah, well, look at, so, look at Schwarzenegger. But, 
Yeah, yeah, we had Schwarzenegger, yeah. the governor of California, the Terminator. Yeah, yeah, I will tell you what to do. Make my day. Oh, wrong actor, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but yeah, actors don't make good politicians. Um, although politicians, you generally make good actors. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I, 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 we'll put that on a bumper sticker someday. But um, this is, but well, I again, think Obama was a really good, I think Obama was a really good actor. Oh, supreme actor. He he actually played an American citizen. <laughs> you know, he's, he's yeah. done pretty well. He actually uh, had a exactly. fraudulent birth certificate and became uh, president. It's amazing. Smooth you know, what, what you can do. Mm-hmm. But he's black, so it's okay. Yeah. You, know, you have to take that into account. You know, you don't see a lot of white guys, yeah. you know, from South Africa, <laughs> you know, yeah, from South Africa, you know, uh, you know, get my accent straight here. But yeah. Um, but what I didn't realize was because this is so bad that, you know, as much as we thought we had some impact with the elections and now realizing how much the vote is stolen, it makes uh, the citizen legislature even more important than ever. That if we can't elect the people to elect to to vote for the good laws, then we have to write the laws ourselves and kind of force them. You know, through lobbying and advocacy and votes and, uh, you know, good journalism and reporting and uh, influence and all the other things. You know, this is, we have to become really good at advocating citizen legislation because it's critical. You know, and so we have I'm to be stronger than going to start sharing the bills. Absolutely. Absolutely thrilled. He's already started to tweet out our bills. Oh, I'm tweeting our bills. Yeah, I want to get some now, but I got a show to do. As <laughs> I told I said, look, I'll be with you, right? And I'll, I'll send him the links to uh, uh, the vaccine bill, the, the big tech bill, you know, our main website here at Blog Talk and uh, writeyourlust.com. And say, go wild. <laughs> I was worried about him. And I was worried. About, say, I wonder if he's going to do something. It's like he's already tweeting. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, uh, a friend of mine, New England, you know, awesome. put it on Facebook. Yeah, that he's already tweeting out the bills. It doesn't get better than this. You know, we this is a huge victory uh, for citizen legislation, for freedom, for everything that we're all working for here. This is this is one of those magic days. You know, we've, and we're starting to get more of them. You know, when Peter Navarro was on the show, you know, and I was able to introduce our bills directly to him. You know, I'm sure they they at somehow if they haven't yet, they're going to you know get to Donald Trump. You know, and, I'm, and I know that Donald Trump between now and the 2024 election is going to endorse Action Radio. And I know that, that they'll be on some of these major shows, that things are going to happen that have never happened before uh, in terms of our little peaceful revolution here with citizen legislation. This is a groundbreaking, and it's going to happen worldwide, too. I've got, to, you know, I've got uh, friends in, in Canada and Australia watching closely what's going on, and I'm one in England. I need some more English connections. But uh, the English-speaking world is watching this very closely. That's where the audience is growing, Canada, Australia, and England. And so that's what's happening. That's the next frontier, you know, so, and it's going to go from there to all the other countries, you know, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, all through Russia, China, uh, the Muslim countries are going to be interesting. I don't know what's going to, probably Indonesia be the first, you know, but we got, we got the Philippines, Japan, South Korea, we've got all of Asia to go through. Uh, and there's a big gap, you know, Northern Africa and all the through Mongolia, <laughs> you know, the Mongolia, Kazakhstan, you know, all the, all the Uzbekistan, all the stands, you know, Afghanistan, there's like this big gap that, that doesn't listen to action radio, but most of the world does, you know, we're, we have far more coverage in the world than we have than the countries that don't listen, which is kind of interesting. And here we are. So mm-hmm. anything else, what's, what's happening in, in, we can get the medical freedom we, uh, and that's, that's the big topic today, but election integrity, anything new coming out of Arizona, anything uh, well, there's, uh, new there's we should know. still more election. I still have more on uh, uh, our local area right now. And okay, go for it. Of, Tell me. Right, Tell me. My group is really fired up about this. Um, Ascension okay. Sacred Heart in Pensacola is now putting, I've got a, and I'm posting it. I'm going to post it on my website. I think I might have even put it on the vaccine alert for Action Radio, but 
its Sacred Heart is requiring masks again. What? So, um, yes, they are requiring masks. So What's your everybody website? Call them and tell I know you had a website. What's your um, website? No, not website. My uh, on Facebook. Oh, okay. I'm going to put it on the actual radio Facebook uh, site for vaccines. And okay. I can also put it on mine, too. So yeah, I, that's a I private They hammer group? us every time we put that stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> so for those that oh, – we okay. do have an Action Radio vaccine project, but it is a private group. And the reason it's a private group is I have to be very careful who I let in there. And the reason I have to do that exactly. is because we had we had very we openly hammered. the public yeah. – wait a minute. No, let me just tell you, I don't even know if you know this, but we had the Dr. Zelenko Action Radio Coronavirus Clearinghouse. We broke the story of ivermectin months before everybody else. You know, Dr. Zelenko was talking directly to people in that Facebook group, you know, offering advice and all kinds of things. That was a very special group. It was our fastest growing group. It was our biggest group. It was going gangbusters until Facebook said, oh, they're doing good work there. Let's disable it. And they disabled it. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, what I've been doing on Facebook is I mm-hmm. just put the link into the comments, and it's kind of saving me from getting censored as much. I put a little blurb in the top of it. So, mm. if you, you know, anybody wants Good to plan. get into Action Radio Election Integrity Project, I'll put that link. But please call Sacred Heart and say, stop this nonsense. And it's supposed to, they said, masks are currently required due to high COVID rates. And I had uh, a friend of mine, he looked it up, and it said that they were not high now. So it's all a lot. Wait a minute. Uh, McCullough like just said. It's on the door. So. Uh, Dr. McCullough just said 94% exactly. of Americans already had COVID and gotten over it. Yes. Yes. So, and I'm sure the other know, 6% have been exposed. <laughs> so we've all had Camera it. these people. Let's, let's really let them have it. I mean, go talk mm-hmm. to them. Go tell them that this is ridiculous and, you know, to knock it off. And it's like it's all about money. Because mm-hmm. it, it all boils down to they want to keep the money coming from the – and I don't even know that there's any money left in the COVID funds, but I, they're just <laughs> – They'll borrow more. Playing the game. Don't forget the, the debt ceiling is up this week, too. I'll, I'll talk to Jerome Bell about that uh, and his running for Congress and the debt ceiling. Well, Sacred Heart, though, that's a, that's a national company. That's not just around here, right? They're national? It says Ascension, Sacred Heart, Pensacola, Studo Family, and Children's Hospital. Masks required. And this is – somebody took a picture of it on the door. Uh, walking into the hospital. I have had um, a couple of people that walked in and nobody stopped them, nobody made them, so I don't think they're actively trying to force it, but they could at any t- any time. And um, I do know I have a friend that just his uh, wife just had eye surgery and um, they made her wear it as a patient. And I'm not sure where they had it done. I didn't, I didn't ask where they had it done. But So there's still people in our community that are forcing these masks. It's ridiculous. I mean, huh. listen to our governor. He said no more. And he just came out. I just saw a, a, a proclamation from him saying that he's not going to put up with any um, of the, the passport mandates and he's not going to put up with any more of the, the mandates on masking. That just came out yesterday. Yeah. So um, I'm thrilled with that. Um, also, I've been uh, talking back with a, a person that I have been communicating with since last May, and his name is Josh mm. Yoder. Mm. He's with the um, and okay. the Freedom Flyers are. He he was a pilot with, I'm not sure which airline, but he didn't want to take the COVID shot, and so he created a group, and they're suing the government. And but um, there was a and I kind of are they still flying? Because I saw. Is he still flying with the airline? 
Okay, we'll ask the question. He may not want to disclose his airline, so let's, let's, let's not give personal yeah, stuff yeah. until we know how much he wants to disclose, exactly. yeah, just in case. Yeah. Well, he, okay. he wants to come on. He's going to come on the show in two weeks, he said. Good. So, um, yeah, and but he, I asked him about there was a, um, a, a posting that said that the people from Davos were hiring that had uh, contacted his group of Freedom Flyers because they wanted undocumented pilots to fly all these people to Davos. <laughs> and I asked him if that was true, and he said it was absolutely false. Yeah. So, um, I, I didn't like that story from the beginning because it, it just sounds yeah. like a setup story. But I wanted to get the truth from the horse's mouth, and I was like, I got, went right to Josh, and I'm like, is this true? And he said, absolutely not. And I said, can I share that? And he said, please do. So, um, so um, I, I, I asked him. Oh, he actually did share with me that a lot of companies though have have spoken with that mm-hmm. want have under-estimated pilots fly them in different places in the U.S. So um, that's good for them. And it is becoming quite scary. Uh, When my husband and I got onto a plane, we Uh only flown one time. We used to fly all the time. Uh And when we got onto a plane to go to a wedding in Arizona, I told every single one of the flight attendants when I got on, I'm like, he was a pilot in the Navy. If you need help... (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say that that uh, that you know, when I, and I haven't flown because you know I, I need my travel budget, but I haven't. Uh, but I'm hoping to get an invitation to like the Tennessee things and some of these other uh, events because I don't want to just go and, and, and just you know in the crowd. I want to actually teach workshops or give a speech or something. But ideally, I'll teach a legislative workshop on how to do what we do here. So that's what I need to do. But that's my first thought is you know when I go on the you know by the cabin crew. By the way, I used to be a flight instructor. You know I can still do it. <laughs> you know I can push an autopilot button. Yeah. You know, these things, see, the thing is, to exactly. the airliners now, they're, they're, they can land themselves pretty much. You know, there's not a lot that has to be done. And you know that they would, if, if, if they had two pilots incapacitated, they would clear the entire airport of every airplane. They'd all go into a holding pattern. They'd go sit up there for a while and say, okay, let's let the newbie land. <laughs> then you all can come back in. <laughs> you know, but you can set up, and I would, I would, I would want to hand fly myself just because I, that was the job I wanted was to be an airline pilot. And so, you know, many things didn't work out over many different times. It's kind of a crazy story. Um, but, uh, but the point is that I would think nothing of hopping into uh, the left seat of a 737 and flying it. Wouldn't hesitate for a second. You know, throw on the headset and well, call up uh, have... air traffic control and say, hey, you know, who wants to teach me how to fly a 737? <laughs> That'd be the call. Go, huh? Well, at least you'd have some idea of what to do. You know, oh, I know exactly what to do. Passengers in the back, I have no, no idea. They I just, not. I wouldn't know the numbers, and I wouldn't know the the the, the pitch angles exactly. But I, I, I could fly a seven thirty seven right now, and I've never done it. I've never flown a jet. But the principles are the same. See, all, this is the weird thing, though. All the flight controls on airplanes are the same. You know, they all have a stick, and they all have rudders, and they all have, or you know, you've got ailerons, you know, elevators, and uh, rudder. Every airplane has that. Yeah. You know, it's not hard to figure out. Jets don't need much of a rudder because they don't have propellers. But I'll explain that someday too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but anyway, but it's not that hard to fly these things, and especially they even have auto land. You know, you you can get a certain altitude, put on the glide slope, you know, dial up the right instruments, the right approach frequencies, you know, plug in all the nav stuff, and hit the hit the auto land button, and it's going to land itself. Well, we may need auto land. We've got all these pilots that are vaccinated. You know, that's well, the no, scariest I, time to me is when they're well, landing is if they have a heart attack right when they're landing, that the the co-pilot wouldn't have enough time to take control and save this. Well, no, see, airplane, no, the co-pilots and the pilots, they, they alternate. Yeah, they, they uh, you know, if the pilot takes off, generally the first officer lands, or, or, or maybe however they do it, but they always share the duties. So you never know who's flying the airplane. Yeah. 
So you always have one pilot yeah. um, doing the, the actual flying and not really worrying about anything else. And the other pilot does all the radios, you know, all the navigation setups, all, all watches for other traffic, does everything else. So when you have a single pilot operation, this is why single pilot operations are riskier. You know, private pilots, especially who don't have a lot of training, they, they have to do the radios and the navs, and they have to fly the airplane, and they have to watch their other traffic, and they have to listen to the kid in the back saying, are we there yet? <laughs> you know, it's a very distracting environment. Yeah. And this is when problems happen. Yeah. But we train, I train people for that. Huh. That yeah, don't let me start on airplanes. <laughs> I have way too much fun. Because, you, know, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I want Action Radio 1, you know, our official jet. Oh, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. We could fly us to all these different events. <laughs> Well, if, listen, if I had to, well, actually, I want two. Now that I think about it, I really need two. I need one for sport, one for fun, my fully aerobatic jet, and I need like a Learjet, like a, a, maybe a six-passenger Learjet, you know, so that I can bring, you know, all of us, you know, different places. And that one will be flying high and fast. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I have to learn to fly that one, too. So I need a Learjet rating, and I need uh, a Viper jet rating, and then, uh, then I'm good. You know, <laughs> I'm ready. That's all I want. I don't even want a house. I, I love like, you. you know, maybe I want a couple of cars. I want a couple of jets. And uh, I'll live in a beach cabin. I don't care. <laughs> I, don't, you know, I don't even need furniture. Just give me the jets and the cars and I'm happy. Anyway, we do digress. <laughs> yes. I just pulled up the bill from yesterday. Well, they, uh-huh. what Governor DeSantis calls to permanently ban COVID-19 restrictions in Florida. The governor addresses mass passport schools at news conference. Uh-huh. And this, is this, I don't see, oh, January 17th, this was at noon. And uh, it says that uh, Governor Ron DeSantis on Tuesday introduced a package of proposals to permanently ban COVID-19-related restrictions from mask requirements to medical professionals' ability to disagree with restrictions in Florida. Uh, He was joined in – the governor was joined at a news conference at Panama City Beach by uh, Representative Dr. Neil Dunn, Chief Financial Mm -hmm. Officer Jimmy Petronas, and Florida Surgeon General uh, Dr. Joseph Lopato. Is it Lapato? Latipo. Um, under now, we're still trying to get him on the Latipo. show. By the way, I, I'm in contact with someone yeah. that's in contact with him. One of our secret agents, you know, that's what I call him, the the people behind the scenes. So, so one of our secret agents is trying to get. Uh, he was scheduled to be on the show right before the midterms, like about two weeks ahead of time, and then you know something came up, as they say. And so uh, I want to get him back. What I'll do, actually, now I can send to my my uh, uh, my person uh, the interview this morning with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough. You know, I mean, these interviews yeah. tend to snowball. And so, you know, people are, oh, you have Peter McCullough? Okay, that's great. Well, you know, come on the show. So it, it, all of this helps. You know, in fact, if anybody can check what yeah. he's tweeting okay. out. <laughs> What's he tweeting out now? <laughs> it must have been a short TV appearance because we had him for an hour. And then he had to leave. You yeah. Know, they probably they gave him, what, five minutes? <laughs> Whatever TV show he got. Because he yeah. was tweeting like, you know, 10 minutes later. So, yeah. Okay, well, under the heading... Permanent protections against the biomedical security state the governor proposed, and the first one is to permanently ban the COVID-19 mask requirements. The second one was permanently banning COVID-19 mask and vaccine requirements in all schools, permanently banning COVID-19 vaccine passports, and the fourth one was permanently banning employers from hiring or firing based on whether a worker has gotten an mRNA vaccine. What I don't see here is uh, the liability for the hospitals and the doctors. And we need that. So, but I mean, it's See, a good start, but, but there's uh, not any other governor doing that. 
But this is where we should be able to talk to the governor's office. This is why we need a contact in the governor's office. And I know someone who has a contact in the governor's office, but they're not sharing as of yet. Um, and, uh, but, you know, this is what we need, and this is the perfect opportunity. So just what you said, you know, we, we would add a clause to that. So let's add a liability clause, you know, for the hospitals. Yeah. They should be liable for, for, for forcing people to wear masks. Anything, any va- we've never really explored this, but, but mask injury. You know, all these hospitals and all these job sites and all these places and all these public transit systems that required, you know, a mask that doesn't do anything for a population that was already exposed. And then 94% of the countries already had COVID, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot. But this for cracks that. me up. This is mainstream media. This is clickorlando.com. This, Ooh, the last detail. sentence is the one that, that the last sentence cracks me up. Um, it goes on to talk a little bit more about um, COVID protections. Um, the governor also proposed legislation to protect medical professionals from speaking out against medical and scientific topics they disagree with, while also protecting their religious views. The governor has long spoken out against COVID-19 protections, which are widely considered to be effective in protecting people from COVID-19, while he has supported vaccinating seniors and medical professionals with the COVID-19 vaccine. He has since become a big opponent of the vaccine, often citing alternative data regarding its effectiveness. Now, the last alternative data. You mean, you, you mean like data? It says, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Alternative to what? Well, the last the government propaganda? <laughs> the last sentence is the one that cracks me up. It says, mm-hmm. the COVID-19 vaccine has been, and the next four words are in blue and bold, shown to be effective at preventing serious illness and death. That is a bald-faced lie. Oh, it's a, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's like. Uh, do you remember the uh, the movie the uh, the Mr. Yeah, the, the original one? No, I didn't. I didn't see that. Oh, okay. Let me see if I can find the the quote here. Uh, in fact, this is. You, it's this like is they a had to have film. the last word. Oh, it's, it's preventing serious illness and death. That's such a lie. I, the but, last but that's the propaganda. I saw where that people that are vaccinated are the ones that are dying in the hospital now of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Australia. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that people are dying of this, uh, they, they haven't seemed to notice. Uh, that, that's the weird part. In, in other words, like, uh, this is something I don't and think uh, Dr. McCullough it. quite addressed. Well, but the idea that, that, that people are, you know, the hospitals and doctors are being rewarded for killing people, that's morally acceptable. But it's, it's not acceptable to save people with, with, you know, cheap and effective cures. That's not acceptable. It's, it's better to kill people with approved government procedures than it is to save them with something that's not approved by the by the the fascist you know big government big pharma you know cabal, that is a huge moral dilemma right there. Back to you. I got you uh, thinking. I, yeah, yeah. Well, we enroll into my bill. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I'm, I'm real excited to start pushing this bill because I mean, if well, we about if we can get rid. Well, if we Since can I'm get helping rid a bit, of these yeah. machines, uh huh. Yeah. So, so describe your bill. <laughs> so now, so now, so now you're going to be lobbyists uh, for your own bill. So describe your bill. Describe what's in it. Describe why it's necessary, and uh, fill folks in. Go for it. Well, it's just a real challenging process, and mm-hmm. Greg can testify to this because it's trying to find all the statutes that apply. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Dr. Redmond had told me. I mean, Dr. Redmond is our state representative for Florida for uh, San Rosa County. And I, I helped. I I know him. He's promised to uh, to speak with us on legislation. 
I'm hoping he'll get behind this bill. I'm going to present it to him hopefully sometime in the next week. And we have quite a few people that have have said that they will help get behind this bill. We need citizen lobbying to help get this bill passed. But if we don't, if we have a selection, we, you know, we're just going to keep trending on the way that America is going right now, which is not in a good direction. But if we don't get rid of the machine, if we don't have transparency and we don't get rid of these voting machines, I mean, can can the normal person just walk up and look at a voting machine and tell if it's been, even if you find out it hasn't been hacked in 2020, then was it hacked in 2022? Was it hacked for the primary? Was it hacked for the, you know, the November election? You have to open up these machines, have somebody who's, you know, have experts looking at every single aspect of this machine. And it's ridiculous because there's no transparency. I have actually um, asked Kathy for the cost, Kathy Belaine, she's our Secretary of Elections, and I've mm-hmm. asked her, what is, the, what is the cost of these machines to? And I had a ballpark figure somebody had thrown out. It's not about how we're um, from our county, but they had said that a machine comparable to ours was about $35,000 to buy. Now, we have, what, 47 different precincts. We have at least two of these machines, and we have the ESNS, a DS200. If we've got two machines in each camp, in each precinct, we have 47 precincts, and they're $37,000 apiece, that's a ridiculous amount of money. And, and I've asked her, what amount of money does it take to keep these machines up for the software to pay ESNS? to have these machines, to have them come back into whatever they do to them. And then also we have the EVIT. Those are the books. It's like a poll book that you, when you walk in, they check you in. How much do those cost? And how much do we pay annually for those too? Because we have four of them at every polling place that I worked at. So if you've got four of those for 47 different precincts, the, the cost is substantial. And so if we eliminated that cost, Look how much money that we would save. And I think if we remove the, um, if we took out the machines, we'd have to go mm-hmm. old school, count the paper ballots, and but we'd get a team so that's of volunteers. Cheaper. How much would it cost to hire people, even if they had to hire 100 people in the county to count ballots? You know, you've got how many precincts? What, did you say 40 some odd? 47 precincts? 47. Let's just say 50 to make my math but, easy. But, but, so if you have 50 and you only and you had five people, but we would need more. We would need oh, more yeah. precincts. Well, even if you had a couple of hundred, you need vote to counters, have about a thousand. Well, you need it. You wouldn't want to have more than a thousand registered voters per precinct, so you could actually count the votes that night. So you're right. going to need a lot more people, but you're going to need a lot less money. Say you had 20, so, 30 people per but, precinct. That's still not, you know, that's still a lot cheaper than a thirty-five thousand dollar voting machine. One. $35,000. One, exactly. And you have two. Well, I, I've, I was looking at each. Yeah. Go ahead. You, you have to have at least two because if one of them fails, you have to have at least two machines per precinct, and some of mm-hmm. them have four. I know that um, St. Sylvester's probably has a bunch. There's, they're a huge precinct. That's our largest precinct in our county. And I have not worked over there, but they have a lot. So, yeah. um, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money. So if we eliminated that amount of money, uh, they're paying, I mean, as a poll worker, I think Tom and I made like 
$300 for working the election. We did a couple of days of early election. But I mean, it's like $300 for a worker. And yet, I don't know, we had like 10 workers at our precinct. That's a that's a lot less cost. Yeah, so it's one tenth. The evids and the you know three hundred workers exactly. is like uh, three thousand dollars as opposed to thirty thousand dollars is about one tenth. Let me um, I pulled up the the DS two hundred which is the machine we have here in Santa Rosa County, Florida, with yeah. the website Verified Voting. So it says the ENS DS two hundred is a ballot scanning device. It is used most often to support polling locations with voters who handmark paper ballots typically distributed at the polling place check-in station, and then hand-feed the paper ballots into the scanner in order to cast the ballot. Ballots can then be inserted into the DS-200 in multiple orientations, face-up, face-down, header-first, or footer-first. The device simultaneously scans the front and the back of the paper ballot, and here's what gets interesting. It says, interprets voter marks. I don't want my marks interpreted. Yeah. I don't want my marks interpreted. I want them counted. Okay? What do you mean, interprets voter marks? Then it says, and communicate any issues that, that require voters. Yeah. Okay. It's, but I, I do understand that. And I mean, it, it's okay. what they're trying to say is that if you have an X on there, they don't like it. If it doesn't fill in the bubble correctly, it doesn't like it. I think that's what they're trying to say. But yeah. it could also sound nefarious, too. Well, it did to me. Well, here's, uh, the, here's the funny part. Too. Here's the funny yeah. part of this whole thing. The, the ENS, uh, their location is 11208 John Galt Boulevard, Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> you know who John Galt is? What it, I don't. No. no, you don't get the reference. Okay. John Galt is the, is the hero of uh, Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. And the question is, who is John Galt? So the irony of an election-stealing device that's hackable, that has, you know, Internet capability on John Galt Boulevard, who is the ultimate in freedom, <laughs> you know, Ayn Rand, uh, is just, it, it, it's kind of, it's just one of those little things I noticed. Anyway, I can't find a price of this thing. I've looked at three sites while you've been talking, and nobody will tell me how much this thing costs. Yeah, and that's why I went straight to our SOA. I'm like, how much does our county pay? So uh-huh. and I, as soon as I get those numbers, I'll let you know. But And I told her I didn't need an exact number. I said just spitball me, you know, just something in the ballpark. Oh, wait a minute. Um, but oh, I got one for you. It's worse what? than you thought. This is from Tazewell County Voter Registration and Elections. I'm not sure where Tazewell County is, but it says Tazewell County's integrated voting system. It says the system from election systems and software, that's ESNS, includes 26 DS200 electronically scanned paper ballot machines, as well as 26 express vote machines. So 26, 26, that's 52, right? The latter, which use technology similar to touchscreen equipment to generate data. The total cost for the machines We have was express two- vote, too. Okay, good. So the total cost for 52 machines, you got your calculator? Yep. It's the total cost for the machines was $250,000. So if you divide 250000 by 52, what do you get? $4,807. No, that seems low. You sure? Huh. Oh, okay. I'll well, do it again. Five, no, fifty-two. Yeah. All right, so let's go. Two hundred and fifty. Let me do it too. Two hundred fifty thousand divided by fifty-two is. Oh yeah, four thousand eight hundred. That doesn't make sense. Oh, four thousand times. Okay, so wait a minute. So that's not. We're not doing this right then. So that should be the cost of each one. Is is fifty-two machines cost forty-eight hundred dollars? Something's wrong. Our estimates are way out. This is, do you think these things only cost? I doubt these things only cost four forty-five thousand bucks a piece. But Let's even if they that. did, that's still a ton of money. I mean, if you look at 
Even if yeah. they're, let's say they're $5,000 a piece. Let's just make okay. it easy. Okay. Right. Okay. $5,000. Then we've got, we have to have two of them at each right. time. Two okay. equals times 47. That's still $470,000 for the That's machine. That's million. just the ES&S machine. That's a yeah. volume. Yeah. That's a whole That's... lot of money. I mean, that we could, and then, and then that doesn't count how much money that they charge you annually to be able to come in and for each election. I mean, because you got to come in and do the primary, then you got to come and do the real, you know, the November election. How much do they charge for that? I mean, but, man. See, that should be public record, though, for the elections office. You should be able to go to our election, our supervisor of elections, the SOE, and, and say, well, how much are you spending on voting machines? Let me see the budget. That should be public information. Get a better deal on these. Somebody come up with something, that, but I want to do away with them, so I don't want a better deal. But yeah, okay, so we're not going to worry about how much they to, cost, but we'll, we'll still keep checking on information, even if they're five thousand well, each as opposed to thirty thousand each. Thirty thousand, you can buy a car for thirty thousand. So, so maybe the five thousand is closer. Yeah. But 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 you'd have to look at the fact that we have to have the machines in Ethelie's office that count these ballots. Mm-hmm. How much do those cost? Yeah. Because those machines are huge and they're complicated, and so you've got to have that. Then you have to have the even to be mm-hmm. able to check people in. So this is that's just one aspect of the cost. So the, the savings for our county would be huge if we just went old school, and then we could uh, select from volunteers, um, potentially retired people, like on a pension from the military, or you know from uh, first responders. Anybody who wanted to volunteer, but they'd have to do a background check on them. They'd have mm-hmm. to be bonded. And then we'd videotape every single aspect of the vote counting. So they can't lie. So, um, you know, if you just get back to old school, we could, if we have a 1,000 people per precinct, we could have this knocked out by the end of the evening on election day and know who the winner was. And then mm-hmm. everyone either walks back their results, drives it back to the SLE's office, or calls it in. And um, and I don't know. It just would make it. It would make our votes actually count. Where I don't think my vote actually. Counts. And I would. It, Maybe a little bit louder. We're, 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 this is key. What you're saying right now. So I want to get make sure we get it to just a little bit louder in, in, on the podcast. Yeah, because it's a selection, not an election. And you can't exactly. trust the vote. And that's actually. Yeah. Absolutely. And also citizenship is key. And this is goes right back to Pete Antonucci and he was uh Governor DeSantis had appointed him to to investigate election fraud. He was really worried about voter registration. And so my bill is in memory of Pete Antonucci. Mm-hmm. And um I he was so worried about the D M V and the applicants were just filling out these papers and sending them in and lying on them and getting to be registered voters because nobody was checking citizenship. Mm-hmm. So um, we, uh, on this, on my bill, I would like for the SOE to absolutely go in and check every single person's voter registration, or their citizenship. And then in your uh, addition to the bill was to make everyone have to re-register every single year, just like you yep. do with your voter or your mm-hmm. car registration. Mm-hmm. So we could clean our, uh, our bloated voter roll. So and these are all aspects of my bill. Yeah. Yeah. So you might want to do a little bullet point summary as we're writing this, uh, put it on the action radio election integrity project that just say that your bill covers 
you know, the, the voter registrations expire, that we're not going to have any machines, that we're going to be checking citizenship, that we're going to just the main provisions, just make a little bullet point summary. And then when the bill comes out, people go, oh, that's cool, especially if you do it in the order that it appears in the bill. And, uh, and then when, when they get the actual bill, people go, oh, I know that. They, you know, they, they'll have the bullet points in their head, and that way that'll, that'll be, uh, greatly facilitate sharing of the bill. So hopefully we can do this in the next couple of days. Uh, I don't think there's too much left to do based on what I've seen so far. No. Yeah, I really appreciate you helping me. It, it's so much more complicated than I ever dreamed it was going to be. I thought yeah. you didn't realize. <laughs> well, let's is, talk about that, you've too. You've got to know your statute. People, yeah. people, tell me about your experience writing a bill from what you first thought before you even, before you even sat down at the keyboard to where you are now. Tell me, sort of walk me through that process. Well, I had talked to Dr. Redman about it. And he's like, well, Diane, goes, I just, if you want to, you know, to help me, he goes, find the statute you want to change, strike through what you don't want, and write what you do want. Well, when you start changing statutes, it involves other statutes. And you've got to make sure that you find every statute that it coincides with. And Or if you're changing one, you got to change them all. And so that it just gets really complicated. You get really get into some weeds, and that's where you were a big help. So, oh, thank you. Um, and then you have to have them all in order. I had them all out of order, then I had to rearrange them and make sure that the, all the statute numbers are in sequential order. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I wish that that the no uh, not having the machines was could be the first one, but it's actually the last. Mm-hmm. So it's the very last one on my bill. That's why you can do bullet points. You uh, can say in your introduction, you can put that up front in your bullet points and say this bill, sure. you know, number one, gets rid of voting machines. Number two, has all registrations expire at the end of the year, so the voter rolls are always cleaned. Uh, number three that we will do, you know, check for citizenship, you know, with, with verified, you know, means, number four. And then you can put the, but you put the bill order anything you want. Now, here's the thing. Now that you've been through this process, how easy is it going to be to write your next bill? Yeah, it'll be a lot easier. Well, yeah. I, mean, I guess it depends on how many statutes are involved. <laughs> well, I'll know, you know I mean, what I'm doing. But, see, yeah. part of the problem is part of the challenge with bill writing is deciding how much is enough. It's like, you know, when you're sculpting, you know, when do you stop the chisel? <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> you know, you do too much, you ruin it. Yeah. You don't do enough, it doesn't look good. Well, legislation is the same way. How much is enough? When are we done? When do we start another bill? Or when do we? I mean, this is these are all the decisions that you make. And the thing that that's that's so so crazy about this is that people are terrified of this process. <gasps> people have asked me all the time, don't you have to be a lawyer to do that? No, you nope. <laughs> just have to have a keyboard. Okay. You know, but but who's going to approve it? Well, the legislature is going to approve it. Oh, you can submit stuff directly to the legislature? <laughs> Why, yes, we can. <laughs> How do you think the lobbyists get it in? They do it. <laughs> you know, so if they can do it, I can do it. You know, and it's just, but these and we people, want it. Go ahead. We, we, we want it in language that people can understand and not mm-hmm. a lot of legal ease. I don't want to shell, yeah, thereby, cool. or what is it they say? In, uh, oh, whereas? Some of the yeah, language. Never, you won't see the word whereas, whereas in any of my bills. Mosley did yeah, that because Mosley that. knows Washington. So Jonathan Mosley writes a bill, right, on a liquidity corporation to help us get out of uh, of, of the COVID bankruptcies. You know, when all the when all the money runs out, right? So he's already we already had that bill, okay. But he he does the traditional format, you know, whereas. And I never so don't do whereas. Just talk to people in English, you know. But the actual language of the, now that you've read actual legal language, it's complicated because it's badly written. It's not complicated because it's you know advanced legal theory. That's the problem. Right? Did you find that? Because that's what I find. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't have to agree with me. Not a problem. <laughs> Listen to Josie sometime. Um, 
But that's the thing. The, the biggest problem we, is that they don't they I don't write also, well. Well, my next bill, I want the DMV mm-hmm. to start adding citizenship onto our uh, uh, driver's license. Now, did you see so, my bill on and, that? Well, and I've already on written, any identification. I've already, yeah, I've already written one on that. Have you seen it? Well, I sent one in to Action Radio. I didn't see it. Did you add oh, you did? that one over that one was before? I must be I must yes. be behind in my duties. Hey, let me take a look here. Yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago. <gasps> I am behind in my duties. Yeah, see, this is why I need yeah. staff, so I don't have to do the administrative stuff. I can actually legislate. <laughs> okay, let me, let's, let's check the posts. Let's see. I, um, We're getting a lot of backing for this bill, though. We've got a lot of people that can get behind us. I'm hoping that I can talk Josh Oder into doing some legislation with us, too, and hopefully yeah. we can get all of his group behind this, this bill as well. And I know the REC is we've got a, a whole bunch of patriots that have joined into our REC, which is wonderful, and that they want to do a proclamation on this. I'm going to present it to them at our next meeting, and we'll have be able to have an actual documented proclamation to go with it from the REC. What's so, your um, what's your what's your title of your bill? Uh, I don't remember exactly. Uh, adding citizenship to driver's license. To the okay, DMV. I don't DMV. see it here. I don't remember. When did you, you send it a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, the last bill I have is from 2022, uh, December 9th. I don't see your bill. Did you send it in? Did you submit it? And did it give you yeah, a response at all? On the site. Yeah. No. Huh. It was really short and sweet. I found the statute and I wrote it in like 10 minutes. Well, that's okay. I mean, we, we, I mean, an idea is fine. I just don't see it. That's why I'm kind of curious because I'm looking at stuff back here through 2022 and I don't see it. I'll rewrite huh. it. How about that? <laughs> yeah, just just. I'll let you know again. the day that I do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I don't get rid of bills. I mean, I just you know if they're not good, I only say. Oh, we we have comments now. See, I'm, I'm doing my legislative now. Uh, okay. See, the problem with comments is people put a lot of spam in there too. Okay, these look, these look pretty good comments. That one looks pretty good too. I don't see any. Adverse stuff. So let's get those in there. Well, see, a lot of people heard this interview today. This was a big show, and so it's uh, it's going to be very interesting to uh, uh, take a look at the after effects of this, especially with uh, Dr. McCullough. Like I said, already tweeting. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I've already I've, I, we can just vamp for the next twenty minutes because I've I've already accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish today. So I'm really happy. This is good. <laughs> You're going to have that adrenaline high today. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm going to be. Adre- like, Are you kidding? You're going to need <laughs> a nap. <laughs> I'm going to be dancing when the crash comes. And this is for, for folks that don't know, if you've never done radio, uh, there are days that are very emotional. This is one of them because, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll fess up. I do get nervous before interviews with big people just because I want to make sure that everything's done and I do a good job and I don't say something stupid and, uh, or ask a dumb question. I want to make sure that, and I get the information covered. And we did. And I got everything covered that I wanted to with Dr. McCullough. Um, and so, and of course, everybody wants to talk to him. So he's like, yeah, yeah, well, well yeah, let's save it for next time. <laughs> you know, sorry, but um, I made that mistake before too, trying to, you know, let the callers, let too many callers come in and we get distracted from our purpose. And so now with uh, someone like Dr. McCullough, it's very focused, very directed. I've got a ton of questions. I got to about a third of them, <laughs> of the things that I've written down. 
you know, but uh, it's a, it's a, it's a process. It's an emotional process. And then when it, when it's done, even on a regular day, I still have this big adrenaline rush. You, know, you try concentrating for three, not you, but anybody who's listening, try concentrating absolutely 100% for three hours on anything. It's not easy to do. And then when it's over, you know, I just crash for a couple hours and then get up and, you know, hit the bike ride or do something else. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very emotional thing to do a radio if you do, if you're doing a good job i think you, you get very involved in your topics and you have to because you got to care about what you're doing unless you're just doing it for ratings but that's what happens so today oh yeah i'll be i'll be dancing around all day see some guy walking down the street in main street in milton going la 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 skipping down the street that's me yeah. <laughs> so um anything else i could have done or, or anything else in election integrity or medical freedom or, uh, or Pianchi saw when he talked about the fact that football players, you know, how many football players have to, uh, you know, have massive coronaries on, on the field before they start actually start telling the truth about it. Yeah. Coughing COVID, Jeff Childers had a really good response to all that. It was a couple say? of days ago. What was that? Um, I don't remember exactly, but um, he said that, you know, people have to stop dancing around this and spend it in the room. Nobody yeah. wants to talk about it, and yeah. so but he's he's awesome. We, that's somebody that I really wish that we could tap into because oh, it's funny you should say that. Audience. I'm talking to his uh, his staff folks. Yeah, we're in the process. There's a lot of Good. folks in process. You know, I'd I, love to get Steve Kirsch on yeah. too. You know, I mean, you know, but uh, Jeff Chillis, I'm hoping to get Jeff on. I actually met Jeff at the first uh, rally in Pensacola, and so uh, yeah, I, that... I sat and talked to him at multiple different events. But, okay, um, good. Well, what's your really office then? Call his office. Tell me you're, you know, I have. You're, you have? Yes. Well, I tried contacting him multiple times, and the only way I really know how to do is in the comments. I, I read his blog every day. I follow mm-hmm. him for probably a year, year and a half. No, he's got a lot so, of office um, in Gainesville. He's, he's, uh, you know, I've called his yeah. office directly. I actually have a contact person there. And so so I remind my contact every once in a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first people that uh, he got the mask mandate taken away from the um, the city of Gainesville. Mm-hmm. So he saved those employees for the city of Gainesville. And, uh, but I've had multiple conversations with him at different events, and he seems like a really nice guy. But And he's very – he brings a lot of humor into things as well, but he's very blunt. And if you – on my I like personal blunt. Facebook page, I'm, I quote him all the time. <laughs> I, mean, I so, like blunt. Um, we do blunt I, very well here. You know, I mean, but Dr. Well, McCullough he, was was pretty direct too. This is a military, oh, you know, man, he, CDC, you know, mil- Department of Defense operation. I was like, okay, I said, I got to start reading about that more now. I know. I walked in and I told Tom, my husband, I said, you need to listen to this one today. <laughs> <laughs> I was very. Oh, I knew it was going to be good. I didn't you know, know where he was going to go with it because you know I like to let people talk. And uh, contrary to popular belief, <laughs> you know, I actually, do, you know, especially it's like, go ahead, you know, when your answer's done, and you know, it's like, I've always got more stuff. But, um, but I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens now with this legislation. And when people start asking, well, what is this vaccine product liability bill? Because he talks to everybody. He talks to millions of people, right? I mean, I don't know how many interviews he does per day. Uh, and he still sees patients. He's still a regular doctor. He's actually out there in the field doing, you know, the work, unlike Dr. Fascist, who hasn't, yeah. I don't think ever saw Exactly. He's never seen it. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I wanted to say to uh, to Dr. McCoa. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, he you actually see patients and actually see the harm. And uh, yeah, Fauci's just hiding in his basement. 
Oh. Well, see, that's the difference between the, the, the early treatment doctors, too. Every one of those early treatment doctors, the only exception would be Dr. Judy Mikovits because she's not a medical doctor. She's a Ph.D. in molecular biology yeah. and, uh, and uh, virology, I think. But, uh, so she doesn't see patients, but she certainly helps people. You know, she develops vaccines. But she's got the history. She's got the history yeah. on Fauci. She's watching him lie for decades. Oh, yeah, so. ECT. Well, I, we did a show that uh, I, I'm still convinced. Uh, this is another thing I want to ask uh, uh, Dr. McCullough when I get a chance. But uh, two things. One, did Dr. Fascist kill Freddie Mercury of Queen with AZT? That's the first question. And the second question. Probably. Uh, well, we did a show on that. I, my conclusion was yes, because I looked at the timeline of when AZT came out, when Freddie Mercury died. Yes. Yeah, it seems to me. And the fact that they didn't use Bactrin. Uh, Bactrin is the treatment that the New York doctors wanted to study that was cheap you know, effective, uh, already approved, and it was working on AIDS patients, you know, and so Bactrin. Is it the Bactrin or Bactrim? Is it the N or an M? Uh, I forgot, but you can look it up and look up uh, Dr. F- well, don't look up Dr. Fascist. <laughs> you won't get the right place. That's just my name for him. Um, but look up Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, and Bactrim and the New York study, and you'll see that uh, he did exactly the same thing um, crushing Bactrin uh, and replacing with AZT, which doesn't work, um, exactly what he did with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, saying that they don't work when they do, and uh, pushed remdesivir and uh, his gene jab. So he's, he, he follows his form, just like the military followed their military model. The military-industrial complex permanent war class model is exactly what they're doing now with the gene jab, which is fascinating. I never made that connection. That, was, that alone was worth having uh, Dr. McCullough on. That was incredible. And so now with all these revelations, I've got to think about all this stuff and go, hmm, now what do we do? <laughs> You know, but he said it, vaccine product liability is critical. So maybe he can talk yeah. to Senator Johnson. Maybe something will come of this. Maybe the next hearing. Maybe it'll be, maybe, you know, uh, those that are listening to Nomad Gates, you know, our congressman here in the first congressional district of Florida, send him this show. <laughs> send him that first hour because it's all, it all, all goes together in a package. Send him the show and say, look, here's Dr. Oh, McCullough on vaccine product liability. Me, Big pardon? You just gave me a really good idea. Ooh, tell me. Can you, um, is it on the I, air idea or I, off the air? I, I probably should talk to you off the air. Okay. Yeah, but I, I, have oh, a, I have a connection that has a connection, a really good one. Ooh, you know people talk. who know people. See, you're my best friend now. Well, no, it's, <laughs> it's military. Okay. It would be military. It would be pilots, okay. like flight surgeon, All right, that's flight surgeon type people. <laughs> Okay, yeah. that's enough. <laughs> yeah, okay. Keep working on that. See, and this is how this works. See, yeah. you know, this, is, this show has never been about my ego. It's always been about empowering everybody else to get that creative, uh, you know, inspiration going and just run with it. You know, so run with it. But Talk I'm talking about how, how, we get to Ron, how we get to Ron Johnson because that would be that connection. Yeah, that's what we need. Ron Johnson's the key yeah. because he's the one who's holding the hearings. You don't see anybody, any member of the House. As much as the House Freedom Caucus is doing good work, not one of them joined that Senate hearing. Why didn't they? What, because it's in the Senate? Not one other senator joined in. Ron Johnson is the only one holding hearings on this stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, so like, they're only talking. They're not, it's not helping. I mean, they're only talking about it. So that's why well, we need to move the needle, you know. Well, let's, let's say Peter McCullough, Dr. McCullough, next time he goes to a hearing with Senator Johnson, because there's going to be more. This is, we're not over with this. What if he says, Senator Johnson, I have here uh, legislation uh, written by citizens that would put full product liability on vaccine manufacturers. What do you think? Can you introduce this into Congress? Can you support this? Can you get other senators to support this? Can we make this become a reality? That changes everything. That's what I'm hoping for. I was hoping for it last yeah, time, too, with another doctor who will remain nameless. But anyway, 
Uh, but you never know. You know, it's see people. Well, if we, get it, if we get it coming from multiple different directions, mm-hmm. then that could be helpful as well. Oh, hugely. Yeah. But think about this too. This is so new to people. People they don't know how this works. They they so there's a certain measure of faith. Anybody associated with action radio has faith. They have faith that this, this is the right way to go. That this is a brand new frontier. That we have to try it. Because they've already taken away our elections. They've taken away our candidates. They've put nothing but corrupt – parties put nothing but corrupt – well, almost nothing but corrupt candidates you know, to run for office. So they're no good. They're beholden to the party, right? So that doesn't work. The elections themselves are stolen, so that doesn't work. You know, uh, writing, calling you know, their, their offices doesn't work because you don't have the money that the lobbyists have. So that doesn't work. So what's left? The only thing – this is what the conclusion I came to back in 2014. The only thing that's left that we can have a direct effect on is the laws themselves, and that's how Action Radio came about, for that reason. Yeah, because yeah. we can write the laws, and Congress can go back and put something totally different. So here's your vaccine product liability, and I'll look at all the loopholes. I said, that's not what we wrote. I said, this is what we wrote. They're talking about, yeah, talking about people wearing purple underwear. To... Was that hysterical? <laughs> and that's you like that one? Purple polka dot underwear. Yeah, it's the purple polka dot underwear amendment. So right after, you know, X billions of dollars for the, the cockroach mating fund, you know, analysis, right? We'll have a, have a class that says all members of Congress must wear purple polka dot underwear, you know, when they're on the floor of Congress. And it has to be on the outside so we can check. I would just want to see that in a bill yeah. just for the fun of it. Well, I'm hoping what Matt gets put in, that they, can, they limit it to one subject, right? So well, that's been tried before. Stop the nonsense and yeah. be able that, to that, veto that. out the pork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it's our bills. Have I've been all our bills proud are. Of Matt. Well, yeah, but where is he? How come he's not here? How come he's not on the show? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're in his district. He, well, he was yeah. on the show. Exactly. He used to be on every week. Calling Matt Gates. Matt Gates, where are you? <laughs> we know he's out there somewhere. We'll, we'll start a campaign. Yeah. Has anybody seen Matt Gates? You know, I, used to make, I used to make fun of him, too. I said, he's I said, lost. You know, we lost Matt Gates. We know he's out there somewhere. Open the gates. Gates, come on back in. You know, I used to make fun of him, too, uh, at the rallies when I said the reason he stopped talking to us, uh, he stopped talking to us when he started wearing hair gel. You remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's true, though. Sorry, Matt. You know, well, when you became a superstar in media. He's on, yeah. he's on all types of new, new shows now. So mm-hmm. He's made a name for himself. And yeah. I can see him having a future, a big future in politics. I mean, of course, I could see him wanting to run as governor soon. Mm-hmm. Well, I, there's a bunch of things, the cabinet secretary, governor, uh, any number of things. And then, you know, the ambassador to you know, Bermuda, <laughs> you know, someday when he wants to retire. I mean, who knows? But he's already yeah. well enough known that, but see, now if he got behind vaccine product legislation, um, vaccine product liability, that would be huge. And he's in our district. So we know people that know him. I know him. Just not well enough, apparently. <laughs> Yeah. He's not here, you know. So, so we're calling out we're we're calling out Matt Gates to come join us here. Two one five three eight three three eight two two. Call in anytime. Call him from your cell phone in the airplane. I don't care. They've got like flight whatever that thing is that air phone. You know, why do they have three hours a day? It's not that hard to reach us. Hell, I even drag my computer microphone down to his office. We'll do a live uh, video uh, live uh, show right from there. I don't care. Let's go. Anyway. We've got about five minutes left. Anything we haven't covered of vital importance? Anything on your mind? 
I lost you. Oh. Yeah, you can't hear me? Yeah, I can now. I okay, lost you for right. a little bit. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I think yeah, my internet connection got cut Well, off. actually, apparently there was, and this might That's have it. caused some of our problems yesterday, there was, a, there was a fire at one of the internet centers. I may have blamed blog talk erroneously, but I don't think so, because I didn't have an end episode button. I didn't have a direct connect that was working. It said I had no show schedule when I was watching it click down. There was all kinds of problems yesterday. Anyway, um, so for, for well, the... I'm, I'm glad it worked today. Yeah. Well, Very you know, happy and, it worked you know, today. <laughs> Thanks, God. Appreciate the help. <laughs> you know, some divine intervention goes, <laughs> goes a long way. Um, but uh, generally, the shows that are really critical, uh, everything works. You know, and say knock you on wood. You better knock like on wood. <laughs> generally, yeah. generally. There you go. You know, and, and I, I always do a little prayer before a big show. <laughs> you know, it's like, please, you know, I, I try not to ask for too much, but I, I really need this one. So, you know. Well, you know, if you if that did shut down, do you have a way to just go ahead with the interview and tape it and then just put it on the blog, you know, later? I can, can but I, I like the live show. I really don't want to do just a monologue of me. But I could schedule, yeah. I could record. You, you can't, blog talk has the capacity, you can record it. But I think there's something that you lose. You lose the spontaneity and you lose the, um, the honesty. See, everybody knows the show is recorded live. I don't edit yeah. You really can't, you know, and so good or bad, you know, and there's some things that, you know, people have called me back and said, well, can you edit that part out or can I only get this portion of the show? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't edit. Yeah. And, and, and there's no way to get portions. So that's why I do show notes. So people can click anywhere in the show they want to go. So if they just want to hear uh, Peter's interview, uh, well, I'm calling first name now, Dr. McCullough's interview. You know, you just start the show. And he was on for almost like he was here. I think he left, what, three minutes you know, before the top of the hour, raced to his TV interview, did that in five minutes, <laughs> came back and started tweeting on our bills. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. That's, that's, I'll, I'll, I'll be dancing all day on that one. Um, but uh, that's how... Uh, well, that's the beauty about, well, the beauty about our show is that you can do it in your pajamas from home. <laughs> yeah, I do. I love it. <laughs> but and not that purple polka dot underwear. I don't, I don't have any of that. So, yeah. you know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Who would know? <laughs> that's true. It's radio. Well, actually, that, that came about from, I, I did a, an experiment. I must have an underwear thing because uh, like a year or two ago, <laughs> we, we were discussing, no, it's, just, it's like my favorite go-to place for stupid examples, right? And so we were talking about uh, how Facebook takes what you say and, uh, and, or anything you, you look up online immediately appears as an ad later. So we're live on the air. And I forgot what I did. This, might have been 20, this is pre-COVID. So this would have been 2019, you know, fall or earlier before we even knew about you know, the, the World Economic Forum and the whole bit. And we're talking about, I said, well, let's do an experiment. Uh, of course, I forgot who's online. What do you want to do? Well, I'm going to start looking up uh, zebra-striped underwear. That was my thing then as opposed to purple polka dot. I said, I'm going to look up zebra-striped underwear and see how long it takes to appear in Facebook and appear on, on, uh, on my website. <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> Swear to God, half an hour. You know, all of a sudden wow. I'm looking at, you know, so, so I'm on Facebook. And so I type in zebra striped underwear and you guys can try this too. You know, just pick a product that you're never going to get. Right. And uh, just because that, that's like the control mechanism, you know, um, you know, fuzzy pink handcuffs. I mean, I don't care what it is. Just pick something weird, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just pick something weird, put it into a search engine and see how long it takes before you get an ad, you know, or, or pick a place, you know, trips to, um, I don't know, Zanzibar, just, just pick a city anywhere in the world, you know, Ulaanbaatar. So, so, you know, latest tours to Ulaanbaatar. Do you know where that is? Just that a trivia question. No. It's the capital of Mongolia. I don't know how I know. I don't, 
don't know how I know that, but I do. All right. Anyway, so it's one of those weird things in my brain. So if you start looking up, you know, uh, you know, look up Ulaanbaatar. It's, I say, I want to do, you know, tours to Ulaanbaatar, singles travel to Ulaanbaatar, group tours to Ulaanbaatar, cruises to Ulaanbaatar. Of course, there won't be any because it's in a mountain, right? You know, it's Mongolia. But all of a sudden, you'll get all these things will come, you know, hey, here's our latest travel. Uh, you know, you, you'll get uh, charters and cruises and, well, not cruises, but you get all kinds of things, tours to Ulaanbaatar. They'll just show up. I get, you know, I get guitar ads constantly. Every time I look up a guitar, you know, Facebook Marketplace immediately comes with uh, all these junk barking guitars for sale. You know, try it. Look up something. It doesn't take long. It's fascinating. Hey, there yeah. was one other thing that I just remembered mm. that I wanted to mention. Please um, do. Steve Kirsch, uh, on his newsletter, he had said something about the FAA has very quietly, tacitly admitted that the EKGs of pilots are no longer normal. Mm-hmm. We should be very concerned. So I, um, I actually... I actually looked into this. I got on the FAA website and I tried mm-hmm. to find the parameters, the range change, uh, what they act wire. I couldn't find it anywhere on the site. I looked for 20 minutes. So um, if anybody knows that, call it in, call it back to me if anybody can find that. And I'm going to ask Josh Yoder if he knows about any of this as well. Because um, if, they, if they're changing the parameters for the EKGs, how safe is that? You know, yeah. they changed it from... Uh, I mean, to where one of them, one of the parameters, they didn't even put a a, a limit on it. So, um, yeah, it's pretty scary. Yeah, see for newsletter. I get it. Uh, I'm going to go. Over, I've got it right here. FAA has quite, very quietly, tacitly admitted that the EKGs, those are the pilot monitoring, you know, checks of pilots, are no longer normal. We of should your be concerned. Heart. Of your very heart. concerned. Yeah. yeah, that's the EKG. Yeah, yeah electrocardiograph. Uh, I believe is the. Um, the correct term. You'd be a nurse. You could tell me. Cardi- okay, like excuse cardiogram. Okay, excuse me. Cardiogram. You're fine. Okay, good. <laughs> I, we do we do strive for accuracy here. All right, we're we're done. We're we're actually off the air. And so for folks that are live, it does cut off at the t- at the end of three hours. They give us a little bit of overtime though, uh, just to kind of tie things up. But uh, I'm done. This is great. I got to go uh, text uh, Dr. McCullough two bills and, and two websites so that he can post it everywhere. Isn't this fun? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, join us a good time. Good job. Yeah, yeah, good job for you too. Uh, let's get on that bill. Let's finish that, and then uh, after I have my collapse and breakfast, or probably breakfast and then collapse, um, but uh, I'll be available <laughs> to do some work on this. And let's uh, let's keep doing what we do best. Very good. All right. And we'll be Thank on you, next week at nine o'clock. Okay, thanks. Yeah, next Bye. weekend, next Wednesday at nine a.m. for uh, that Central Time for for Diane Live. Okay, I've covered everything I can think of here. So the only thing left to do is a, is a little musical selection um, to take us on our way. Uh, let me see. Let's, oh, this is appropriate, too. Um, so I, I've been trying to play a little classical music. You know, I, I, once I get all the things that I have to play done, then I can just do things that I want to play. And this is one of my favorites. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Do, 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 do. I have, a, I have a, a different mouse I'm using. My original one could have left. All right, let's play a little musical selection back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time. I'm going to hopefully I'm going to try and get Brianna Cannon back uh, to do her government inquiry report. We have Jerome Bell who ran for Congress, so I want to hear that story. That's going to be fascinating. And so let me just turn back my calendar here, see what time he is. I'm pretty sure I know, but just in case, Jerome Bell is at 9 a.m. So I've got the first two hours open, uh, 9 a.m. for Jerome Bell, and who knows what I'll, between now and tomorrow what uh, we'll have in the middle of the show. 
And this is going to be fun. So I'll see you all tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time at blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Our legislative website is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. And if you want to contribute here to, to make us a worldwide force for freedom, that would be givesendgo.com slash action radio. Givesendgo.com slash action radio. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.